Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. We love Tuesdays, and here comes another one. They're coming fast and furious. Welcome to the Wise Guys, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. Back for more, and there's so much going on. Oh, yeah. We're we're right on the verge of football season. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, it is football season because they're practicing, but we're talking about real games in college football this weekend. This weekend. So the long wait is over. Uh, the dog days of summer <laughs> they're gone. are behind us. <laughs> when we started the show, I think the Cubs were in last place in June, and they're still in last place. But uh, but time moves on. We just finished up after further review over on BYU TV. Keanu Hill, he was in the spotlight tonight. Man, I think he's going to be huge this season. Yeah, he, he is a, a big-bodied, six-foot-four-inch wide receiver, um, in the mode of Neil Pau and Samson Nakua, who have moved on to the NFL, still still on their teams, still by on the their way. teams, um, and uh, you know he's, he was a pivotal part of what BYU did last year as kind of a fourth or fifth wheel. I think he's going to be the second or third wheel this yeah. year. Which in a receiving core, when you're throwing the football like BYU does, that's that's a big time player. That's a leading role. When you've got him and you've got Gunnar Romney and you've got Puka Nakua and Chase Roberts. And a handful of others, but those yeah, Co- three, Cosper, yeah, yeah, it's those three on the field at the same time. Uh, you're going to have to face some defenses that are playing awesome man-to-man D. Yeah, they create a lot of matchup problems, and uh, and I feel like Jaron Hall this fall has shown that um, his ability to recognize defense quickly and to go to the right guy. Like he's he's not he's veteran enough now that he's not coming to the line of scrimmage thinking, "Hey, I'm going to throw it to Isaac Rex." He's coming to the line of scrimmage thinking, hey, let's see what this defense is going to do. And whatever mistake they make or whichever matchup is best for us, that's where I'm going with the football. So the ball's going to be spread around. Everybody's going to have a chance to contribute. They're going to use the whole field. I think he's going to complete close to 70%, if not more, mm. of his passes this year, just like the good old days with Steve Young. and uh, Back in the and, day. And, yeah, and BYU is going to have – a. A really good season. Lots of matchup problems for defenses this year. So go to BYUtv.org. You can watch after further review anytime, right. as many times as you want. Uh, it's it's the best hour on television. We've we've established that a few years ago, uh, and it'll get you ready. And then we just have one more AFR, and then there's a football game. Right, and that leads right into the best two hours in live streaming exactly which which is right right on the heels of the best hour in television look at that puka time puka next, time next tuesday we're gonna get to the big time stars next week on that show so and, and, and i you know what we always say it's the best night of the week how about mark actual just coming right out um to start this thing and and starting off by saying best night of the week and then of course he he's smart enough it, qualifies it in case his wife is looking over his shoulder and says other than date night with my wife, of course. <laughs> Other than wise date man, night. Thank, wise thanks man. for being with us right from the start. So last week, Marie Osmond and Robbie Bosco were here, and you can go to ysguys.com, uh, listen to the podcast, or or watch the show again. It was awesome. Two hours of uh, of Marie 
and Robbie and, and Marie interviewed Robbie and Steve Young provided some of the questions. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know what? Wherever I've gone this week, people have said, that was an awesome time with a superstar who was sitting right here on our show. Marie told us that she could, she could carry, you know, she could pull her weight and she could be on a sports show. And you and I were like, okay, let's see how this goes. She was big time yep. on the show last week. She she carried her way and then some as a sports talk show co-host with us here. One of the many superstars we're going to have on here over the years. Did you see what happened to me Saturday night? Oh yes, I did. Now you were you went to Marie's show. I feel bad because Marie asked me about going to that, and we we already had plans with a big group so to, to go up to Sundance. Right. To- so I'm sitting there, and Marie's out. And says hello to the crowd. And then she says, hey, I went on this sports show, mm-hmm. Wise Guys, this week. And she said, Dave McCann, stand up, wave. She goes, is Blaine here? And I go, I don't think so. Yeah, I was and up, there was, I was a, up at Bluebird. a lull in the crowd. But then things got progressively worse for yeah. me as yeah. the night went on. First, she sang Paper Roses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she sang Paper Roses and threw me a rose. And I handed it to my wife, Diane. I thought that was it. Yeah. Then she called me up on stage. And uh, DJ, if you want to bring that up, she called me up on stage and um, had me do a, a, a dance of some sort, and then uh, said, I'm going to have you sing a song with me. And she just said to my wife, oh, hey, I forgot to ask, can I have him up here? So listen to this for a second. Diane said you can just have him, period. Yeah. Give me that. I was chewing gum, and she just pulled it out of my mouth and chucked it. Someone help me, the man. So right now I'm, I'm terrified. Uh, there's no way out. You're going to sing everything I say. Just repeat after me. This was payback. You don't need to start dancing yet. Uh, it's just a nervous twitch. Yeah, and so I was I super nervous because you know, Blaine, I'm not a singer. You're the singer. Sing it really loud. You're obviously okay? a dancer, though. You know what? Let's see. Okay, you know what? So then, yeah, watch this. He can have, you have to get a legit standing ovation. Legit standing ovation. Can I have Robbie come up and have Robbie Bosco is there. Nope. Nope. If you do that, you see, I was going to pick him, Hijack. That guy's name if was Jack. If you can give a legit standing ovation, Hijack and his lovely wife can come backstage and meet me after the show. That's a lot of pressure right there. But you got to do it. That is a, that's a tremendous amount of pressure. Let's see, but I got, I got Hijack up. That should count as one. That counts as one. Notice his wife didn't stand up yet. Oh, there she is. I don't think she's going to. That's great. Okay, you gotta earn it. He has to earn it. Okay, ready? Oh, I'm crazy. Oh, I'm crazy, all right. <laughs> For feeling so lonely. For feeling so lonely. Oh, you're talking, sing. Oh, I'm crazy. Come on, Marie. Oh, I'm crazy. <laughs> For feeling so blue. For feeling so blue. That wasn't bad right there. That yeah. wasn't bad. Oh, I'm this, crazy. She pulled me a little tighter. Hey, Devin, this could have been you. She's talking to Devin Durant. <laughs> to hold you. I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> oh, I'm crazy. I'm crying. Come on, you're... Crazy. It's almost over. Hang with us. For crying. Hard to know. I don't know the commands. Up you know here. this. I got to see it. Get on your knees. On your knees. I'm on my knee. Yeah. I'm on my knee. Elvis. Here you go. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and I'm crazy. 
filming the whole thing. So here's what says. So he, she gives me a hug, and then I go back in. I said, we are even. <laughs> and uh, I got the standing ovation. They got their backstage thing. And um, thank you, Marie. And so then Marie um, tweeted out, uh, and she's been great with social media for our show. Yo, she's, and she is unbelievably talented and and, and, and a, a bunch of our our followers who are with us every week are are chiming in BYU Sports Addict saying how fun and cool with Marie and, and and also commented that Marie was actually incredible he was surprised at the way she crossed over to talk about sports last yep. week yeah. she she made some comments about the defense and Elisa Tuiaki I, I was pumped and, and then, she's going to come back on this yeah. show and then uh, Dr. Ketch says I'll bet Devin was jealous Devin Durant Devin Durant's going to be on this show next month yep. and we'll ask him and, and then Vis- is it is it Vivian? I can't even. I don't know. Vizuvian, um, says such a talented singer, Dave. That is, but then a giant laughing face. But yeah, a giant well, laughing we're not face. fooling anybody. So, all, so I, all I know is, um, I took one for the team. You did, and um, so I want to know when we're going to get together, you guys and and uh, Marie and Steve, the Craigs, and and, and when they come Brandon back up I, in a couple when, weeks, we'll yeah, go to dinner. We, we get together and go out. But now I went back to the shell last night, Monday night, for the piano guys. Uh, John right. Schmidt was there in the Utah Valley Orchestra. And so I come walking in, and uh, and and the people, a lot of the same people are back. Oh, yeah. They saw that I was sitting further back from the stage. They knew. And they're like, going, hey, playing it safe tonight, aren't you? And I go, no one's going to call me up to play the piano. Um, but it was so cool. And what was great is we got so much street cred for our show. Over the last week and a half, with her two million followers, so, so we hope fun. some of them are back tonight because we got another big show ahead. But uh, we we appreciate Marie, and she'll be a regular at least yeah. every summer. Web, and we look sur- forward to that. Web surfers giving you props. Well done, Dave. <laughs> it's just like, it. It was great. I actually am glad that I wasn't there. That, <laughs> that I wasn't think about this there. way: if you were there, and she said, "Blaine, I want you to sing," and then she handed you, put the mic in your. Uh, in, in your face, so then you would have built it out some kind you, you of opera I, thing. You and I would, have, I, like, and then it would have been next level. Yeah, she and I would have yeah. actually done a real. Probably wouldn't have been as funny. Let's be honest. No, it was way better than you because were you like to sing. And for and, me, and everyone for the record, knows, I did oh, not. Poor I did Dave. not get invited up onto the stage at Bluebird Cafe. No. I'll be there again this Saturday. So if they want to pull me up, I'm glad to go up there with the guitar, sing with the guys. Now your daughter Libby was uh, singing the national anthem at Dodger Stadium last night. Yeah, it was pretty so cool. cool. I, I need to tweet. I need to tweet that out. But uh, um, and I'll do that after the show. But but Libby, and it's Libby Fowler Lloyd, my baby girl. Um, for those of you that don't know, Libby is one of the um, uh, principal performers in the Broadway first national touring company of Moulin Rouge. She yeah. plays Nini. There's two leads, um, two women leads, Satine, who is played by Courtney Reed, who is the a woman that originated the role of um, uh, Jasmine on Broadway of Aladdin. Libby came from playing Diana in the Diana the Musical on right. Broadway to this role. And they had um, the principals that uh, are on Moulin Rouge. They're at the Pantages Theater in Hollywood. If you're down in L.A., make sure it's only there for two more weeks before it moves. Get out, get out and see them. But they sang the national anthem in Dodger Stadium last night, and it was pretty awesome. Pretty yeah, awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it out later, and you guys can check it out. Then another great thing that Libby's got going this week, um, 
they're going to do one of the numbers from Moulin Rouge on the Late Late Show with James Corden this Thursday night. Oh, so my, my, my baby girl Libby's going to be on the James Corden Show on Thursday night. So you guys check her out on that. She's very talented. Yeah, she's very the featured talented. dancer in the piece they're doing. They're doing Roxanne. And by the way, Moulin Rouge won 10 Tonys last year. No piece of that show has kind of been out for public viewing. They performed at the at the Tony Awards. But this will be the first time on national television that any number from that show has been out in public. So check it out on Thursday night. Check Libby out um, on the James Corden show Thursday night, my baby girl. Hey, click on the chat button in the lower right portion of the screen. Create a free Twitch account and then join our discussion tonight. We have lots to talk about tonight. Also, if you click on the blog tag there at the bottom of the screen, you'll get a form that comes up. Fill that out for a weekly email from us with all that we've got going on. And, and um, anyway, that'll be sent just one email once a week. But um, click on the blog tag there and, and join us. And subscribe and, uh, you know, we're, gonna, we're, we're not going away. And, uh, and we want you to be a part of us. Uh, we want you to invest in us. We'll invest our time in you. And, and, and hopefully this will be a cool thing come hang for the out next with us. 20 years. Yep, come hang out with us on Tuesday night. We're going to do some stuff. Not on Tuesday night. Some hangouts and some yeah. things as we get going into football and we didn't season. do the uh, we didn't do the watch party last night because Zach was out. Yeah, the whole idea was to to do a watch party where we watch the Jets play the Falcons. We see Zach go against Tyler Algier, and was Zach out? And we're gonna talk about that a little bit because it looks like he's gonna be back in before we know it. But yeah. was Zach out? We just thought it lost, lost a little of the luster. So we'll do we'll do one when there's a couple of BYU guys or or more than a couple. All right, here's what we got coming up tonight. Let's tease the show with BYU football. Um, Today was the last day of fall camp. They've set their sights on the season opener at South Florida. We will delve into what that means. Yeah, hey, and by the way, the Big Ten is getting its big money. The terms of their contract were released. It's billions of dollars. What does that all mean for BYU, and what does it mean for the Big 12? We'll get into that. Uh, on the show tonight. It's showtime for the BYU women's volleyball and soccer teams as they take on two of the biggest names in all of college sports this week. Yeah, and hey, how about the magic of the flyover? Air Force fighter pilot and BYU grad. Uh, that's Major Clark Heyman, who was in the dorms with my son Landon. Nice. So good friends of Clark's. He's going to join us live as we look forward to another F-15 flyover at LaBelle Ward Stadium. Um, we all know what it's like to watch a flyover, but... Uh, uh, you know, it'll be cool. It's, it's going to be cool as Clark will tell us kind of the what goes into all of that and how fun it is to be in the cockpit for one of those. Plus, the I, pa- I'm going to ask him some stuff that I'm not sure we can answer. Okay, it might be classified. It might be. Might be. We'll classified. challenge the Air Force. Yep, yep. Plus, the power of music tonight. How BYU grad Caleb Chapman is making the world a better place. He brought his saxophone. He's going to be right over next to Blaine. Going to yep. going to play. Rise and shout on the saxophone. Yeah. I've never heard that on it's the so, saxophone. It's so cool. Hey, and by the way, th- this shows it's about sports, but it's also about BYU grads doing great things. Yeah. And, you know, we were, we were just talking about Libby, my daughter. She's a BYU grad, MDT major, has her degree from BYU. Uh, Clark, Clark Heyman, BYU grad, flying F-15s all over, defending our country, and doing flyovers at big-time games. doing flyovers. And then, of and course, then Caleb, Caleb Chapman's Chapman. Chapman's teaching music to everybody. B- BYU alum, teaching music to kids, and we're going we're gonna to have uh, Caleb in here and talk about the great things that he's doing on the music side of things. And, hey, we're all just proud of all of our BYU guys and, and gals, I guess. BYU football superheroes. Which player on the roster is Thor, Iron Man, or Captain America? We'll debate that and ask for your opinion. And, and by the way, um, Malik, you know, how we yeah. talk about Malik Moore, Malik Moore, about the one that you assigned him. 
Gavin and I were talking to him. He was pumped. Oh, yeah. He was pumped at the one. And <laughs> nice. we, we, we talked to you about doing that one. because we. So talked- I wrote it in the Deseret News uh, and assigned it. And we, we, what we were during our church meetings, we're texting you and back I were and forth. Going, we were, I was asking hey, what Gavin. what Marvel characters? Uh, it's, it's like, please don't ask me a question about uh, the Old Testament. I'm trying to figure out what. Blaine's. Yeah. Gavin, anyway, we Gavin came up with a nice list. To, Gavin was sitting next to me in church, and, <laughs> and, and Malik Moore, Gavin was insistent that Malik Moore be a certain character. We're going to talk to you about that. But when I saw Malik at practice, he's like, oh, yeah, that was all. Yeah, that that is me. So uh, we nailed that one. We were glad. I think so, we got some good ones. Um, we'll see what everyone thinks. Yep. Another round of NFL cuts today. How many Cougars survived and when they play next? That's all coming up over the next two hours here on The Wise Guys. How about the countdown? Yeah, hey, we've got four days until the first college football game. We talked about that. Football games start this weekend. Hallelujah. Yeah. Two indeed. BYU opponents in action on Saturday. Utah State hosts UConn and Wyoming's at Illinois this weekend. So we'll be able to catch a couple of opponents this weekend. 11 days, that's it, to the season opener at South Florida. Yeah, 18 days until BYU's home opener against number 10, Baylor. That's on September 10th. And then oh, about 39. Well, and Clark Kamen is going to have something to do oh with yeah, that oh day. Yeah. So we'll talk to him about that. About yeah. 39 days until October arrives. And that's the month BYU gets its first Big 12 football schedule. Yep, we'll have the schedule for next season. We already know the preseason matchups uh, for BYU next season. We'll have a full look into are they going to get Oklahoma and Texas in their that'll first be, year in the Big 12? Can't wait to get that. And one of those you would think would be at home if they get them both. Yeah. So that's going to be kind of fun. All right, the NFL countdown. Yeah, 16 days until the regular season opener. That's the Bills versus the Rams on NBC. And uh, then it's all about football, college, and the NFL. Our weekends are complete and full, and we can come away from the weekends feeling good about ourselves, right? Yeah, excited about that. Hey, um, next week, Brandon Doman and Amber Whiting will join us. Whiting's the new women's head basketball coach. Doman, the elusive quarterback. Went 12-0 and 0 out of the gate back in 2001. Um, and then uh, we'll roll out some of the guests we got coming. Yep. Uh, it's going to be an awesome, awesome we got, fall. We got September's baked. Is that what we call it? Yeah, it's baked. September's baked. It's in baked. the oven baked. I was just talking to our uh, our good friend Austin Colley today, and he's all in. He goes, oh, I'm really excited to come on the show. He was, yeah. Everybody we've talked to has been so good about coming on and supporting supporting the show. And, and so far... We've had some never been told before yeah. stories on this. Who knows what Austin's going to tell on us. this show? Austin might tell us <laughs> something. We know. Mark Mark Wilson told us the story. He's like, it's forty years. I'm going to tell yeah. you, Robbie, Robbie Bosco. Bosco. Like, well, it's been thirty seven years. I'm going to tell you guys. He looked at me. I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. That was good. So pe- people just bare their souls. Marie told us some stories that have never been told. Yeah. So I think it's because we're like uh, we're like the male Barbara Walters. Yep. They just come on and they're like, you're not going to make me cry. <laughs> And then we do. Then we do. Hey, our first guest tonight is a BYU grad and a fighter pilot for the United States Air Force based out of Hill Air Force Base just north of Salt Lake City. And just like Tom Cruise, he had the need for speed. Major Clark Heyman is also a member of the so-called BYU Mafia, which had everything to do with the F-15 flyover last September prior to BYU defeating Utah. And he's the muscle behind the scheduled flyover for September 10th against Baylor. It is a pleasure to welcome the pride of Davis High School in Kaysville, Utah, the darts, baby. Major Clark Slider Heyman to the Wise Guys. Major, welcome. What's going on, guys? How we doing? Hey, Clark, how are you, buddy? Oh man, it's great to be here. Great to have uh, some time to, to get away and, and chat with you guys. Hey, how did you get the nickname, the call name Slider? 
Oh, dude. So uh, <laughs> the rule with, with sharing call sign stories, you have to buy the guy a drink in order to get the story. Well, we'll so, buy you a chocolate when milk. When we see you down, down. In, in, in Lavelle Edwards Stadium when you're down for that Baylor game, I'll go get you something. Okay. I don't, I don't, know, right. I don't right. know if you knew this, Sounds but fair. in Cougar Stadium, like I'm not going to tell anybody this, but Dave and I were kind of a big deal. We can get drinks. We, <laughs> we can, can get drinks. We'll take care of you. All, all the caffeine-free cokes you can buy. Absolutely. Huh? Hey, they, you can get caffeine there now. So if you're thinking Mountain Dew, we got that for you. We got Mountain Dew or Diet Coke or Coke Zero. Whatever you want, we got it for you. All right, you. so spill it, Slider. How did you become Slider? All right, so here's the quick and dirty. I'll share you guys, with you guys the longer version later. But uh, I was deployed over Syria. Uh, this is in the height of ISIS. And... Uh, Ended up dropping a weapon on some terrorists out there, and um, my flight lead had a communication error. So he was watching the whole thing in his targeting pod, and he's watching this truck go, and then all of a sudden the truck explodes, and he's freaking out. Like, what What just happened? I, we weren't planning on him exploding. He didn't realize that I had already coordinated everything, already spoke with the guys on the ground, already got the clearance and dropped the weapon. And... Um, so for him, it was a surprise. For me, it, it made perfect sense. So SLIDER is an acronym, and it says, screw lead, I'll drop everything regardless. And, uh, that's a, <laughs> so that's, that's what, what screw lead, I'll drop everything regardless. I'm so glad that that's it, Clark, and that it's not that you like to eat sliders. <laughs> yeah. um, or that, like, I thought maybe it was had something to do with the slider pitch, pitch. you know, or something yeah. like that. But yep. that's a better, that's a better screw lead, I'll, what drop is it? Everything I'll drop everything regardless. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great What's handle. the, uh, what's the coolest uh, call names that you've heard? Uh, you know, the Navy is the one that they make the worst call signs. I'll tell you what. They, <laughs> the Navy? They are just, they are really mean with their call signs and uh, they don't, they don't hold anything back. But, um, you know, some of the easy stuff, like my, my name is also in Top Gun. I, the, the right. Rio the from uh, Iceman's Rio is backseater. His name was Slider. Nice. Um, right. hey, there, there's there's all sorts of names, and some of them are funny. Some of them you can't share with your grandma, so you need another story to tell that <laughs> one. So there's a backup story in case your grandma asks. For some of those, I luckily have a good story I can share. But yeah. Other people, I love it. So I love it. Hey, tell us about the BYU Mafia and how does how does this thing work? Yeah, so BYU Mafia, you know, it's, they're all graduates of the BYU ROTC program. It's not just pilots or, or fighter pilots or anything. It's really anyone who's graduated the Air Force ROTC there. Um, and we're just on a Facebook page and, you know, share with the, each other's, you know, successes and failures and, and helping each other out. So just a, really a good group of dudes uh, around the Air Force and around the world that still stay connected. How did this group help save the flyover before the Utah game last year. And DJ, do we have that flyover video? Did you get that video? Um, if not, you can find it on YouTube. But um, what? how did the BYU Mafia save the day? Yeah, so uh, it was a – man, it was probably a week before the BYU-Utah game. I see a post on there from a, a local friend reaching out saying, hey, I need some help. We, uh, we had a flyover planned. But some of our issues, you know, with maintenance and we lost out on our jets. Does anybody know anyone that's flying around either Vegas or Utah or Idaho? And I'm now stationed at, in Utah. And luckily, I fly with people down in Vegas and fly with guys up in Idaho and started reaching out. And within uh, 
within about a day, I had a plan, uh, worked out with the, the guys up in Idaho, another BYU grad um, in a kind of a leadership position that had some clout and was able to get some jets down here. And uh, turns out it ended up being probably for all three of us, I'm sure, probably the best Saturday night of uh, for a long time, right? I mean, maybe not <laughs> national championship uh, for, for you playing, but you know, it, it, if nothing else, it was to see us beat Utah again and have an amazing fun oh, over. And, and uh, you, you, you were there. You and I talked uh, down. You, you were down on the field, got to be down on the field. Talk about your role um, that night for the flyover. Yeah, so the, the cool thing with flyovers is, um, in my opinion, is not actually doing the flying because you, you'll miss out on the, the event. You, you know, you you do the flyover and then it's another couple hours until you can usually get down there like for the guys uh, for that flyover. So my job was to, to basically coordinate everything on the ground, uh, work with Mr. Dave Almodova there at BYU and his team in the marketing department and uh, work out the timing with the uh, national anthem, which I hear Dave, you're going to be singing the national anthem here soon based <laughs> off your your experience with Marie. Yeah, oh, yeah. Only He's, if I get a call that's, name that's, that's appropriate. That's the only Clark, way I'll do it. that's not happening. <laughs> We're, we might bring my daughter Libby and her crew to sing, but, but he's yeah, – that, That'll be better. I'm, I'm, Dave singing national anthem is strictly prohibited. That's what I want to say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I, but my big, my big plan, though, or my, what my job is, is to con- communicate with the guys that are flying. So – uh, they'll get down there about 30 minutes ahead of time, and they'll stay for, for Lavelle Edwards Stadium. They'll stay south, kind of Spanish Fork, uh, Springville area, and just kind of orbit for a good 20 minutes and make sure that they have all the timing worked out. A lot of times ESPN will move the time of the kickoff, and so I'll need to communicate that to uh, the guys flying. Now we're looking at it right here. We're, we're, we're watching this, Clark. I don't know if you can see that on your feed, but. They just went oh, by, and you're right there man. at the top of the stadium. Yeah, that's amazing <laughs> stuff. It's 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 so, so. How do you time it out so perfectly where it comes just as the national anthem ends? Like how how do they know? Okay, hey, you guys are down Spanish Fork. Uh, here comes the song. You, like, do you guys t- you, right. must, you time it out to the less than a minute, right, of when they're going to fly over? Yeah, yeah. So we get the time from Dave. So like right now, I have the time. It's eight oh five is the the, the time for uh, September tenth. Eight oh five. And so we'll base we'll base everything off of hitting eight oh five exactly. Um, when when I when I get there, I'm sure his team will have a new updated time for me. You know, plus or minus a minute here, left or right. Um, and that's and what they'll do is they'll coordinate with the band or the singer, whoever's going to be doing the, the national anthem to make sure that they end at the proper time. Exactly right. Um, so in the jet itself, though, if you think about this, you know, we're we're a war machine and uh, the name of the game is to get bombs on target on time. And so the computers inside the aircraft, we can basically program so that we make sure that we're hitting a specific spot at a specific time, uh, just as if we were in war having to drop like, a weapon. Like right at a, at a LES, LaBeller sitting right to the second if need be, right? Yeah, we'll pull a coordinate for uh, right dead center of the field, uh, and we'll put that in our system and have it exactly right on time. Uh, and, you know, everything's a little bit flexible, uh, and it takes some skill, but, you know, the calculation aspect of it, uh, from the aircraft, it makes it a little bit easier. So, so how fast and how low can the jets go during a flyover? Because I felt like last year those babies were low. 
You and I have discussed this. You won't you won't confirm or deny that they were yeah, particularly you know, I, low. I, I, and we don't want to put September 10th at risk. We want September 10th to be just as spectacular. So, you know, <laughs> only say what you can say. But but what are what are the stipulations around that? How fast can they go and how low can they go? So the regulations have us at uh, 1,000 feet above the ground. Okay. Uh, so that's that's the key there is 1,000 feet. And we won't we won't go lower than that. Uh, but if you think about it, I mean, that's pretty low. Yeah, it's all, pretty low. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the speed... Um, Here's the deal. So fast always sounds cooler, but sometimes that the little bit slower gives you a little bit longer, you know, presence over over the stadium. So uh, the the secret for last year of why it looks so fast is the guys were running a little bit late, and oh. so they had to push it up a little <laughs> bit, and they had to put in a little bit of afterburner, and you could see the flames coming out the back of the video. And uh, so I love they were that. screaming. They were doing good. But, it was... you know, they were they were safe, and they were under under the regulations. So I, sure. the thing that I always wonder about, when, when you're coming from south to north, coming from down Spanish Fork area, like you come over the stadium, and you're at 1,000 feet. Let's say you're right at 1,000 feet. Well, Tim's right there at just over 11,000 feet, like right in front of you. Um, yeah. So, so when you pass over the stadium, is it like a – Big time left hand turn with some G's, or is it gain elevation really, really fast so you don't hit temp, or or what do they do on that? Yeah, it'll be a check. You're checking left, like you said. It's not too bad though. It's 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 far enough where it's um, you know we we can turn inside about two nautical miles. Oh man. Um. So so we can we can wrap it up real quick if we need to and get out of the way. Um. You know, if it's like a big bomber or something, it might be a little bit more difficult. But with a fighter, we can be pretty nimble. Major Clark Heyman's on the Wise Guys tonight, fighter pilot out of Hill Air Force Base and a big part of BYU's flyovers uh, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. What's it like to fly over, and you've done it yourself, what's it like to fly over a big event? We know what it's like to have jets fly over oh, us. It gives at the me event, the chills every time. Because it's awesome. What's it like for the guys, uh, the men and women, up in the plane? Is it a rush or is it just business? A little bit of both. Um, so it's the business of flying because we do it so often, it, it becomes a little bit of rote, but when it's important things like hitting, hitting a right time for a flyover, uh, it definitely, it ups the ante a little bit and, uh, makes, makes you stay a little bit on the edge of your seat. Um, cause you want to hit it right. So you want to make sure the show looks good. Um, but what's funny is all of the pressure is on that flight lead. So the guy that's flying the aircraft in front everything is on him the wingmen that are flying off of him all they're doing is they're just looking to the right or left and they're just staring and they're not worrying about time at all their whole job is to make sure that they look good and are in the proper position everything else is on that flight lead so that pilot up front making sure that he hits the timing correctly so that's exactly how blaine approaches this time. show yep like blaine just, approaches the show the exact just, same I way just stare at dave just over there and to, make sure i don't pass his them job is anything. to look good yep i just look good <laughs> stay in formation so hey uh, so, some of our folks are um first of all um BYU sports addict these are their handles right so they have handles not slider but BYU sports addict says hey thanks for your service to our country clark we appreciate you guys very much which is Really, uh, really cool. And, and Barrister Beast says, I think Matt Russell may have played a role in coordinating that with you. He's my uncle and a stud. Do you know Matt Russell? He's asking if you know yep, Matt. Absolutely. He was definitely part, a big part nice. of making sure everything happened. Yeah. And then, then, Thanks, Matt. Th that's cool. And so we appreciate, we appreciate Matt as well. Is Matt a BYU guy? He is. Yeah. And he, uh, he, he works here on base as well. 
uh, works on F-16 side of the house. Uh, so, yeah. That's very, very cool. A couple of BYU guys. And then, then and BYU boy uh, 716 saying, how accurate is Top Gun? Is that real? Everybody wants to know that. How accurate is Top <laughs> Which Gun? Which one? First Maverick. One Let's go to Maverick. Let's go Maverick, the new one, because everybody just saw that. How accurate is that? Yeah, it, you know, it's actually really good. Um, I, I'd say if I had to put a number on it, you know, 86% accurate, it, it's really, really good. Um, we loved, as fighter pilots, we loved watching it. We loved sitting there. You know, I'll be honest, I cried. Oh, man, that's <laughs> I, awesome. When I saw when I saw Iceman and Maverick, you know, doing their thing, it, it definitely, like, hit me. And uh, it is really good. And the difference between the first one and the second one is that they use the real footage inside the aircraft and inside of F-18s. I've been in an F-18. I guarantee you all of that footage flying around was real. Wow. Um, now, when they went into the F-14 and some of that stuff, then, yeah, not so much. But they did a great job, and uh, it's going to be a classic for a long time. Now, let's go back to your youth and Top Gun, the original. Uh, that one's out, and you love it. And 9-11 occurs years later, and suddenly you're motivated to sign up. Yeah, I was uh, in ninth grade, so I was freshman year. Uh, and I remember walking out of PE, seeing the towers on fire. And uh, it definitely hit me, you know, uh, this is something I want to do. And if I want to serve in the military, there was only one way to do it. And that was to be a fighter pilot. Um, so then I started looking, what, how can I do that? How do I become a fighter pilot? And quickly I realized that BYU has an Air Force ROTC. And I thought, you know what, what better way is to go to the college I want to go as well as serve my country and become a fighter pilot. And uh, there we go. So Got a scholarship and the whole thing, went on the mission, and then came back and finished out my time there, and uh, it's been great ever since. You know, along with ROTC, people need to know, like, you were serious business in school to a manufacturing engineer graduate. Is that right? Yeah, I guess so. What do you mean uh, you yeah, guess so? That's big time. <laughs> I graduated. I haven't touched it since, you know, and I probably never will. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I did do some engineering Honestly, I probably looking back, I should have did something more fun. Uh, but here we are. Yeah, look. Well, now you're at North Carolina working on your MBA. That's right. So I'll be I'll be transitioning from the Air Force in the next uh, little bit, and so knocking out my MBA there at the Keenan Flagler School and uh, working working towards what's next. That's hey, awesome. I, I have to tell you, Clark, you'll appreciate this. The, the head coach um, Troy Calhoun at Air Force Academy is a good friend. We played against each other in college, and he was telling us a story one time where. Um, he was trying to teach a young group how to run this triple option, and they just weren't getting it. And then he said, and this was early in his coaching career, he's like, come on, guys, this isn't rocket science. Like, for Pete's sakes, this isn't that hard. And one of his linemen in the back raised his hand, and Troy goes, what? And he says, hey, Luke and I are rocket scientists. We're aeronautical <laughs> engineers, and we're not getting this. So this is harder <laughs> than rocket science because we both get straight A's in rocket science, and Troy's like, okay, that <laughs> That was a little bit humbling right there. So he's like, I better I better make this thing a little simpler. So yeah, this Well and they haven't stopped playing the option since. So no. they must have figured it out somehow. They fig they figured it out. They figured it out. So how do how much what does the taxpayer fork out for a flyover? Because a lot of that's probably the biggest question. People go, Man, that had to be expensive. Who's paying for that? And then what's in the works for September tenth? Yeah, so um, how, how flying goes for the Air Force is everything's allocated by it with a yearly annual flying hour program, they call it. And so let's say, you know, a, a squadron out of Mountain Home has, I don't even know, uh, let's just call it 
20,000 hours that they have to fly each year. That's probably way off. I, I'm really not sure the number. Um, so when we do a flyover, we just take a little bit out of that uh, bucket. So it, it doesn't cost the taxpayer any more money. Uh, and so we would be flying that same hour, you know, over the West Desert in Utah or over up in Mountain Home, Idaho, um, if it weren't for the flyover. So um, the, the big thing that it does give to the taxpayer, though, is a, uh, a little bit of peek behind the curtain and, uh, right. you know, a little bit of appreciation. Um, so it's all it's important for us to make sure we get out and, uh, you know, we serve everyone in the country. We want to make sure that you guys get to participate too. So it's, that's that's cool because yeah. they they need hours anyhow, and they can get hours doing that, and then the public gets to see. You're welcome to fly over my house yes. anytime. So, 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 so Clark, we, we we talked about flyers and all that, but you've flown real missions. What what's that like when you climb into an F-15 and you're going on? A, you just talked about a real mission, and you're getting ready to take off. Uh, what's that feeling like, and what what kind of pride do you have in knowing that you're going out to defend our country? You know, since uh, the audience is right, I, I have this little red Book of Mormon that I would whip out every deployment sortie that I would fly. And I'd take, you know, five minutes or so and I would read that little guy um, and uh, and then hop in. And our, our sorties, our flights were they were long. They were about six to eight hours. Sometimes my longest was up to 11. Um, and so to be able to be mentally engaged uh, took took a little bit of effort because you do a lot of droning. It's a lot of time flying up the Arabian Gulf towards Iraq and Syria. Um, and it, it's not always engaging, but then when you are needing to be ready and needing to employ a weapon uh, in defense of our country or defense of the, the guys on the ground, uh, you got to do it correctly. And you, there's no room for error. Um, so all of the practice and all of the time you spend studying back home, it all culminates to that one moment and making sure that you get that that bomb on target. Um, and so it's fun, though. You know, it's it's definitely challenging, uh, but it's super rewarding. And I uh, I'm super excited to be able to say that I I've done it um, and I'm, I'm proud to, to, to uh, serve our country this way. What impact did the campus Air Force ROTC have on you and um, we'll give you a minute to make the pitch to to someone who might be thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, the uh, the relationship that BYU has with their Air Force ROTC program is really good. Um, you know, I can't speak with super high fidelity of how it is exactly right now. Yeah. But when I went through, um, there was about 250 cadets. Uh, so fairly large amount of people, students that have already decided to raise their hand and serve their country. Um, not all of them have scholarships either. So a lot of them are paying their way through school but still are willing to volunteer uh, and serve four to 10 years of their lives at least, maybe even more if they still enjoy it. Um, and it's, it works for their family. And so the relationship that the, the Marriott School, that's where the ROTC school or falls underneath is the Marriott Business School. And I know they have a great relationship uh, to make sure that not only are we, are we leading and, and growing students that are gonna go serve, um, the country, but they're also good, up, upstanding students that would normally be uh, the type that go to BYU. That's great. Awesome stuff. Hey, uh, are you going to be in the jet that flies over? What do we got in well, store yeah, for September 10th? For Baylor. For Baylor. We <laughs> want to know what's going on for that. Yeah, so Baylor, September 10th. Um, that is obviously uh, a, an important date for 
BYU fans. It's sure. our first home game, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Um, but also, it's also our remembrance of September 11th. Right. Yes. Uh, with the, the next day. Um, so here's where we're at. Uh, the FAA has approved the flyover. Yes. Um, the 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 headquarters Air Force has approved the flyover, which those are all important stepping stones. The hard part now is to is to find the right unit to make sure make it happen. That's currently where I'm at with it. Um, so I, I'd love to promise you that it's going <laughs> to happen. Um, I can't make that promise exactly, but I'm working really hard to make sure that we make it happen for all of our fans. Will the there. BYU Mafia have to get involved here? You know, that's my that's my next step. I think there we go. As, <laughs> as, uh, as things start, you know, money is important and, and tight with. Uh, any, any uh, unit out there. So it, it can be difficult sometimes to find, make this happen, especially on a Saturday. People are having to take time away from their family to, to go out and do this. So um, obviously we love to find some BYU fans, maybe on the BYU Mafia that'll help us out. Awesome. I love <laughs> On it. a confidence hey. meter of one to 10, uh, with 10 being an absolute, where are you at on that meter here today? We still have some time. <laughs> yeah, we got time. Yeah, you know, uh, a solid... A solid eight. Oh, oh that's okay. Good. I'm feeling that's you know, awesome. solid eight. I'm, I'm sounds like my GPA. I'm good about, solid you know, eight. What that tells me is, don't mess with the BYU mafia. No, hey, I, they'll get it done. One thing super cool before we finish up with five questions for Major Clark Heyman out of. Uh, I almost said Nellis Air Force Base for my Vegas days out of Hill Air Force Base. I, are, are we? By the way, we lived in Kaysville, Utah. And I appreciated watching those jets fly off the, that south when, when there's a south breeze blowing and they're coming off the south end of that runway right over our house. We loved it. We loved it. So you're down on the field uh, after last year's win. And, um, and you were also on the field at the previous BYU win uh, over Utah way back in 2009 as a student. Which one was better? Oh, for me, it was definitely last year. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. And uh, the, the fun thing about last year is, you know, I was able to wear my uniform and all the, the really the hero's welcome was, was awesome to be able to, you know, feel the spirit that, that BYU brings and the athletics that are there um, and to be able to be a, I feel like a participant in making the Utah win happen. As we're out there, you know, all the fans are rushing the field. My dad and I are like, we got to get out of here, you know. <laughs> and uh, here comes Tom Homo running down, running down. And uh, he runs right by me. And I'm like, hey, dad, that was Tom, you know. And I see him. He turns around. He comes back. And he shakes my hand. He says, thank you so much for your flyover. Turns around and just disappears into the crowd. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was a great experience for sure. That's, that's awesome. And, and Clark, oh, what a l- little known flack fact is that Clark and my son Landon who, who played at BYU are, are good friends and were in school together at BYU when, when Landon find, found out that Clark was running that whole flyover he was pretty pumped about it I like that he said <laughs> 8 out of 10 I, I'm yeah. very optimistic eight, about eight that that's going to be and a you big know what? we're just like this is a sports show but who are better athletes like I'm telling you you better be a good athlete to get behind the controls of a fighter jet of any type because it is, it is taxing on your body. You have to have unbelievable focus and discipline. All the things that make for a great athlete also make for a great fighter pilot. And you, you better be in shape and you better be focused and you'd be able to do all of those things at a high, high level. So I think our, our fighter pilots are some of the greatest athletes in the world. 
Yeah, I like to think that I was a better athlete than Landon. So, <laughs> so I'll tell uh, you. He, he's yeah. actually probably listening or watching tonight, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure you're going to get a call from Landon. Go All right, ahead. so we, yeah, hope, well. <laughs> we hope you got your security clearance for these five questions Blaine's yeah. going to ask you. Uh-oh. Here we go. We do this We do this every every time we have a guest on, we ask them five questions because this is how we get to know people because yeah. this is who you really are. So here we go. And the rapid fire. Favorite movie? Top Gun. Okay, what, what, we figured that. So what's your favorite scene? From Top Gun, and at Top Gun one, one or, or Maverick, yeah, the one for me is is the classic. Okay, uh, so I'm going to go with one. Though I do think two is a little bit better, to be honest. I loved both um, of them. What scene? <laughs> you're gonna. I think the best scene for me is the one that, uh, well, multiple times, but where where Tom is getting chewed out from these guys. You know, you're below the hard deck. I was only there for just a minute. You know. And, <laughs> Those bring back some, uh, some pretty fond <laughs> memories of things that have happened to me myself. That's awesome. My favorite in two is when um, when he kind of gets pushed out, and then he just goes and gets in the jet and flies the course, and, yeah. and everybody's watching, and the pompous idiot that's the commander there John Hamm. has to eat his John words, and, and everybody's rooting for him, and he flies it, and they're like, yep. That dude is a bad A. Can I say that on the show? Yeah, you bad can say a. that. I love the that music. That dude's a bad A. And I loved the fact that the flying was real, like like yep. you pointed out a so few minutes cool. ago. So that's, uh, a, that's a classic. That's a great one. That's right up there for me, too. Okay, so question two. Favorite band or singer? Uh, Boston is my favorite band. Classic. Oh, more than a feeling. Classic there we go. Rock. Yeah, that is classic. Favorite breakfast cereal? Before you answer, Marie Osmond Last week was here on the show, and she mentioned that Snoop Dogg was coming yeah, out with a cereal. cereal called, and it's called Snoop Loops. Snoop Loops. Snoop Loops. So that's, Snoop con- Loops. that's confirmed. <laughs> As Thanks, a kid that grew up in New York, yeah, Snoop's my guy. So, you know, I know he's from Cali, but, you know, you're hip- I'm a hip-hop guy, and Snoop Loops are probably going to go right up there on my chart. But what's yours? Uh, cinnamon Toast Crunch. The taste you, you can see. Can I tell you that we have ha- – you'd be surprised at how many of our guests said Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Did Mark Wilson, I think Mark Wilson said Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah, and the Max Hall, I thought maybe. Yeah, Max was Hall, in there. My, like you're in great company with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's a good one. So, okay. favorite BYU sports moment? Oh, man. You know, I, I'm just going to have to throw it out that last year's Utah game was my favorite BYU sports moment for sure. Well, awesome. you orchestrated the flyover. You're down on the field celebrating it. As long, and if you had a hot dog somewhere in between, that that's like a perfect night. That, so. that it was, was incredible. I mean, Tacano's was pretty good. Yeah, epic. Too, so. Epic. Okay, and, and the last one, your favorite flyover you've ever done, where you actually flew. You've been over NFL stadiums. You've been over NASCAR. You've been over yeah. the whole world. What's, what's your favorite? Uh, yeah, the, my favorite was definitely doing the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, it was Tom Brady versus the Philadelphia Eagles and watching him warm up oh. uh, and then doing the flyover and – Again, getting the police escort back. It was awesome. It was Very an incredible cool. time. So the Eagles. And you, and, you, and you guys flew over Lincoln Financial then in Philly. It was, yep, the link. It was a tight tight squeeze in there with the, the buildup of the, of the the towers there for sure. Yep, still the only uh, NFL stadium with a holding cell in the stadium for drunk people. That's what I – that's what you got to <laughs> so you gotta love about Lincoln Financial. <laughs> that's so. awesome. That's awesome, Clark. Thanks so much. You can read more about uh, Major Heyman and the magic of flyovers in an article I wrote recently in the Deseret News. Go to the search bar, type in Major Clark Heyman. He's a BYU grad making a difference in the world, and we're so glad to have you on the Wise Guys. We look forward to seeing you. Uh, in a few weeks uh, for the Baylor game. I'll be there either way, boys. Thanks, All right. guys. Great to, great to see you. Thanks for coming on, Clark. Uh, all right. We'll see you. That's cool. We've had a fighter pilot on there. That's, that's big that's time That's next stuff. level so, on this show. And, and 
<laughs> people, I love some of the comments. Um, you know, they're, they're, first of all, they're they're loving it, um, and and uh, um, saying, "Hey, uh, BYU boy says, hey, funny and humble. Thank you, Major, for your service. Of course, people are going yes to Simon Toast Crunch, uh, BYU Sports <laughs> Addict, um, and and also saying, hey, awesome, awesome interview, guys. And and, and remember, this show is about." Um, it's not just about straight sports, right? It's about BYU, and and the and some of it is loose affiliations to sports. It's about BYU people, and Clark Heyman is somebody we're really proud of, right? Yeah. Representing BYU all over the world, um, you know, flying missions over Syria, all over the Middle East, um, and also doing some pretty cool flyovers. So, how about that with Clark Heyman? Fantastic. Dorm, dorm mates with my with my uh, my son Landon. Caleb Chapman's going to be with us a little later on. He's going to bring his saxophone here. We'll talk about the power of sports and music, and he's going to play Rise and Shout yep. on his sax. That's coming up in just a bit. Uh, we encourage you again to get on Twitch, sign up for a free account, and then you can ask us whatever you want as we go through the next little bit. Last week with Marie and Robbie, we were, we were slam dunked for two hours. Right. It was so good we couldn't move away from it. Tonight, we want to take a few minutes and get you up to speed yes. on everything that you want to know about BYU and BYU football. Um, and you may be out of state. You may be out of country. Um, you may be listening to this on the podcast. But here comes a whole lot of information that when we're done, you'll go, okay, that's cool. Now I know what's going on. Let's start with football. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you some headlines here. And we'll get, we're not just going to give you headlines because I think headlines is a little bit misleading. That we're only going to give you the headline. But a discussion. We're, we're going to give you the headline, and we'll discuss a little bit. How does that sound? That sounds so, great. Um, BYU football camp ended today with a scrimmage. It, it's uh, now all full in prep for South Florida. Um, the team leaves for Tampa a week from Thursday for Raymond James Stadium. Going a day earlier than normal road yep. games. They're going to get you're... acclimated to the time change and the weather. Yeah. Right now, and you looked this up for us earlier, I was talking to you about it uh, before AFR. Yeah, listen this to this. Is, this is according to the Weather Channel. It says the high for September 3rd is going to be 91. They say it's going to feel like 102. Okay. The chance of rain is 99%, which is Par for the court. That means it like passing showers, right? It doesn't mean it's going to rain all day. Hey, I was just in Jamaica for six days, and it said 99% every day, and it rained for like an hour every day. So (laughs) let's just hope it's not the hour in the middle of the day. Humidity, 64%, so the ball's going to be a little bit slippery. The game starts at four local time in Tampa. Can we get Tom Brady to let some of the air out of those footballs? Oh, yeah, that's, if, that's what, you know, Brady, Brady Gate. Like, it's his stadium. I know. Hey, Kalani said today um, after the scrimmage that they got through camp without any season-ending injuries, which is remarkable. Yeah. I don't. That doesn't happen very often. And it doesn't happen to us. It seems like there's always something. Yeah, and considering how much football, you know, they've had uh, during this uh, this last couple of weeks, uh, that is remarkable. And, and now they can be really, really careful. And I... There's a learning curve for, for coaches, and I feel like Kalani has really dialed in how much they can go, when they need to back off, what players to keep out of contact, what kind of contact to have to get them ready but not push it over the top. And it seems like gotten a little bit better at keeping people healthy. And this, I would say, is the best year yet as camp ends and no season-ending injuries. And so um, we always talk about this could be a very special season if BYU can stay healthy, and so far, so good. Brett Pine, the uh, sports information director, told us that the depth chart will be released next week. Uh, defensive coordinator Eliza Tuiaki did go on the record today with the media saying Ammon Hanneman has won the starting job at Strong Safety. We we saw him the other day after practice, and uh, and he looked – he's got Thor's body. Yeah, we, we, we commented, and he, he, he laughed, and then the guys we were, we were sitting with all – we were with D'Angelo, I yeah. think. Uh, and, and we said, has there ever been a Hanneman that's not just shredded? And, but, but Ammon, like, takes it to the next level. Yeah. Like, he, he is 
He's got to have less than 5% body fat. The dude is jacked, too. He's a big, strong dude. It reminded us of ourselves. Yeah, and you know what? Think about it. Ammon really came on at the end of last season, started to get more and more playing time, and really um, became a, a contributor um, as the season wound down, and then had a great offseason yeah. uh, in preparation, had a really good spring ball, and now he's had a fantastic fall. And safety was a, a position I was like, well, who's going to be that strong safety? And I'm not worried about it anymore. I think Ammon Hanneman, they can keep Ammon healthy. Um, BYU's in business at strong safety. Of course, Malik Moore returning at free safety. They have depth at that position. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to Ammon on that announcement. Hey, BYU boy wants to know the biggest surprise player from fall camp. Who do you think? I, I think it's it – it might be Gabe Judy. Yeah. The, the transfer, transfer corner from Vanderbilt. Like, he's pushing for to start at corner. And – uh He's looked really, really good. And now all of a sudden, BYU's looking like they got their four deep at corner. Yeah. So he's been he's been outstanding. Um, and so maybe, maybe him. And I know he came with a lot of – like, well, he's coming from Vanderbilt. But, but you're going, still. Ah, it's Vanderbilt, right? I know it was the SEC, but it's Vanderbilt, which is sort of SEC. You know what I loved about him is he got his college degree yeah. as a sophomore. Right, right. And, and the COVID year popped in there and, and allowed for some – some extra time, but yeah. man, Vanderbilt's no, uh, you know, Joe Schmo place. Yeah, no. So he's he's That's been great. He's been really, really good at corner, and I don't know if I've ever felt better about BYU's corner group. So, so, so he he's one. You know, he's one of the guys that I think is playing um, extremely well. Um, ben Bywater looks fantastic. Yeah, um, he's been looking really, really good. I, the the two things I was worried about strong safety. And I was worried about depth at linebacker, um, but but Max Tooley has had a, had a great fall camp. Ben Bywaters had a great fall camp. I'm feeling really really good about those two positions right now, and I feel like BYU is deeper than I thought they were. And so so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with with Gabe right now. Cougar Stats tweeted out something that caught my eye. Uh, BYU's played 95 different FBS teams over the years, which is sixth most. Tennessee's first with 99, followed by Army. And Missouri and Florida, all with 98. Miami of Florida is 97. And then there's BYU at 95. Nebraska is next at 94. Independence has certainly helped BYU get around the country and play teams that they hadn't played before, which was one of the objectives, including Nebraska and Tennessee, and they beat them beat both. both of those, yeah. And they're going to get Arkansas for the first time in October. Yeah, and Arkansas, who's preseason ranked, um, coming into Provo, uh, is pretty cool. And so, yeah. I think independence and think about it. They've played, I can't even remember the conference before the WAC, but they're in the WAC for a long time. And then they moved to the Mountain West, which had some different teams in it. And what BYU always did, even when they were in a conference, was they scheduled up in their, in their non-conference games yeah. and played teams from all over the country because um, Tom Homo and the ADs before him, their philosophy has always been, let's get, let's get this group and let's get to BYU fans all over the country. They've got a national. And you know what you and I are finding out with all the shows we do? They have an international audience, right? So let's get them all over the place so fans can can come to the games. And that's that's led to this, that BYU, um, you know, 95 different FBS teams. That's that's amazing. Sixth most of any college football program in the country. That's really cool. Did you notice Caleb Chapman has entered the building? I did notice. And his fiance he, Tommy. He's tuning up. He, like all he's going to join us in a little like, bit. Like all great saxophone players, he's already got his his. Uh, I, I saw him out Caleb, the window. What's, what's it called? The thing that you. It's the real 
The read. He's got the read already in his mouth. I saw him pull already. up in the biggest monster truck that's yeah. not actually performing in monster yeah. trucks. So, so I play the guitar. So usually when I'm getting ready to play, I usually I usually put the strings in my mouth to get them. Is that, is that right. what you do? No, I don't do that. That's what I do to see if a if a, if a wire is like hooked to live kidding. electricity. Yeah, I just, you just you put, put it in your you, mouth. You put that in. All right, so. let's talk money in the Big Ten. Yeah, so um, we've had a few days to, <laughs> days to digest this whole Big Ten news thing. Um, it'll bring the conference. Now, I'm I'm saying this with a B. Seven billion dollars over the course of the contract, seven years, mm. beginning in 2023. That's seven billion dollars and it might even be more if they hit all their yeah. things and, and when they talk about if they expand there's some additional dollars it could be up to 10 billion dollars interestingly enough the the media partners moving forward are going to be fox cbs and nbc and so on on college football saturdays you're going to have the big 10 they'll have a noon game on fox um eastern the, time right, right the 130 mountain window on c is okay. is, is on going to be on cbs and primetime games on nbc um so the the buzz coming out of blockbuster media deals that the Big Ten is not done expanding. Yeah, they could have just put a, the lid on that and said they go, oh yeah, we're not done. Yeah, so how, which how, sent everyone. How does crazy. this all impact? Interestingly enough, notice that the worldwide leader in sports not a part of that package. No, out for the first time. No, no ESPN in the Big Ten deal. So does ESPN then come and and they're already married to the SEC? What do they do to I, the Big Twelve? I, I believe that this opens up some bandwidth for the ESPN. Um, participation in the Big 12 at a bigger, you know, as a bigger portion of what they're doing than they have in the past. Espe- especially with USC and UCLA out, you know, Pac-10 yeah. traditionally has been a Fox league with some secondary or tertiary rights to, to ESPN. I think, first of all, the money's good news um, for, for the Big 12 because now that's kind of set the bar mm-hmm. of, what, of what people are willing to pay. Uh, um, of course, that's the Big 10. You know, the SEC in the pecking order, it's SEC Big Ten right there, one A, one B. Yeah, I think it's universally accepted that the SEC is the best football conference in America. Big at Ten least saying, half "Oh, of it. we yeah. we beg to differ," you know. But uh, at on. least half of it. You know what? If anybody's like intellectually honest, the Big Ten's not as good as the SEC. Come on, right? Um, but they're trying to expand to, to get more good teams. They add USC and UCLA; they're big names. They haven't been playing well lately. So then, Brett McMurphy tweets out. Yesterday, Monday, that Oregon has initiated preliminary discussions in Chicago with the Big Ten to determine if the Ducks are compatible in the Big Ten. That's his tweet. If any of that's true, then how can Oregon be trusted by anyone in the Pac-12 going forward as if they'll get a deal and hold everyone together? How can you? You can't, if that's true. Because... Didn't we just hear at, at Pac-12 Media Day, oh, we're all on the same page. We're interlocked arms. We're, we're going we're gonna to make this thing go with, with the Pac-10. Oh, except for the Ducks. They're talking to the Big Ten. And if the Ducks go, that's it. And I tweeted, I, made, I wrote a tweet and sent it out. I was proud of myself, and it got quite a response. Um, and, and let me see if, tell me if it paints a picture of what we're looking at. I tweeted out, the Pac-12 is like the once mighty Titanic. Seems like everybody on deck thinks the iceberg, Big Ten, caused minimal damage in the initial hit, USC and UCLA, and have no idea that an ice spur down below, Oregon, is what really caused the sinking. The Big 12 has a lifeboat nearby. 
So that's a great analogy. Why do people freak out on that? It's not USC and UCLA that's going to kill the Pac-12. Right. They, they, it if, is Oregon. If Oregon leaves, then I, I guarantee you that now all of a sudden teams are going, okay, you can't trust anybody here. And I would not be surprised to find Utah, Colorado, Arizona State, and Arizona in the Big 12 if that happens. Yeah. So, hey, um, by the way, BYU boy asked us, um, where's Chaz Ayu going to play this year? And Chaz got to get healthy. So so far he hasn't really hasn't really done much because he's nursing some off season injuries. And usually and, at this point, re, the red shirt option becomes yeah, such a big. Remember, option. Chaz still has an, a red shirt option. So yeah. you know, if he can't get healthy to play the majority of the games, he may maybe plays at the end of the year. Because remember, red shirting now you can play four games. So they got they've got to get him healthy. And so far, not not healthy. So um, anyhow. It's it's it, and then I I do like BYU boys coming because when Utah fans say they could compete in the Big Ten and there's a bunch of laughing emojis yeah. after that and and they were freaking out that you that you said that but that's a true statement and it doesn't matter if you can compete in the Big Ten it's eyeballs it's like right. why would the Big Ten want anybody from Utah to join their league what do they get yep. they add Rutgers you get New York and New Jersey. Despite Rutgers. It's, it's, it's not about... So, and you here's get Maryland, thing, you get that area. Here's the thing that Utah fans don't understand. When we say um, Utah is not you know, what they're looking for, they're like, we're, we're the best team in the pack. Yep, you are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you, certainly UCLA is not good and hasn't been for a long time. No. But they took UCLA and not Utah. Why, I wonder. U USC didn't uh, win the league. Could it have something to do with Los Angeles? Yeah. USC didn't win the league last year. Utah was better than USC last year. BYU and Utah beat USC last year, but USC was the first one on the list. It doesn't matter. It's about eyeballs. It's about tradition. It's about national brand. It's all of those things. So it's and, not a knock on your and, team. And, and, and Utah it's is reality. The, Utah's the best team in the league, and they're probably the best team in the league. We'll acknowledge that. And we both but, want them to come to the Big yeah, 12. Yeah, we want them in the Big 12. And you want to know what? Here's the problem for Utah. If I'm back home in New York and I ask somebody about USC, they're like, oh, yeah, USC plays some – like USC is a national brand. Nobody in New York cares about Utah. Nobody, unless they're a Utah grad. And let's, let's be honest. Um, the Big 12 doesn't need Utah. They already have BYU if you're just looking at a TV right. market. And so if I'm Utah, I am calling the Big 12, and I'm pleading my case. Yeah, and you and I want them. And I'm coming in, and we, I want them to come to the Big 12. We want that rivalry back. I think, the, I think Utah, Colorado, Arizona State, and Arizona puts, puts the Big 12 in a 16-team league. Two eight-team divisions. And it's, then just go play. It stabilizes the league, and then you don't need to worry about anything. Utah and BYU both don't need to worry and about And you don't anything. have to worry about Oregon getting up every day going, I think I want to leave today. Even yep. though yesterday I said I was going to stay. Yep. I think yep. that throws it. Blue, Blue Cougar says Utah needs the Big 12. I think and they do it, need it, the Big 12. If this story is true, that Brett McMurphy, and Brett McMurphy is usually a pretty credible source, that yeah. Oregon's talking to the Big 10, you can't trust anybody then. Right? Nope. And so if you can't trust them, get in a league that you can trust, sign a grant of rights deal with everybody in the big 16, right? And, li and live happily and ever live happily, after until the next big thing. Live happily ever after. <laughs> and I like how BYU boy says facts. Like we're just talking That's facts. That's how we're spitting them out. Hey, BYU and Virginia Tech quietly amended their home-and-home -home schedule yeah, this past week. Hokies are going to play in Provo on September 14th of 2030, which is actually not that far off. Uh, the return date to Blacksburg has been moved to September 10, 2033. Now, why do we care about that? Well, let's just look ahead. In 2030, right. BYU scheduled to play at Utah on September 7th and host Virginia Tech on September 14th. With an expected nine-game Big 12 schedule, that gives BYU 11 P5s to play that year. But you know what happens by then? Utah and BYU, they're both in the Big 12 by then anyhow. 
Yeah, so there could so, change. So it could be a league game. It by could then. change, but uh, but it's. I thought BYU just said, "Hey, Virginia Tech, we're out." Yep. But yep. they found a I found a way to keep that on the schedule. So, so anyhow, hey BYU Sports Act, thanks. He says you're spot on right at BYU boys. He's like BYU boys say it's facts. Right? We expect the choir to yeah. to appreciate. We, we appreciate, appreciate you guys us. sticking with all of us on this thing. So, um, so hey, how about Jaron Hall? Name to the Manning Award watch list. Um, it's sponsored by the Allstate Sugar Bowl. It's an award um, created to honor the collegiate achievements of Archie Payton and Eli Manning. Hall is one of 30 quarterbacks on this list. This is the only quarterback award that includes bowl performance. I like that. Yeah, I, I don't know why they all don't. Yeah. So, Like the Heisman. Yeah, Could it comes, the, would it kill the Heisman to wait a To month? wait until after the bowls. Yeah. I don't know. But the, the, all of these major awards come out before the bowls, but the, the Manning Award comes out after the bowls, so they take into consideration the entire season. I like that. Hey, what does Ty Detmer, Robbie Bosco, Max Hall, Mark Wilson, Gary Scheide, and Brandon Doman think about Jaron Hall for the upcoming season? You can read their comments in my new article in the Deseret News at Deseret.com. Which I've already read. We're going to hear from Jim McMahon on that yep. during countdown to kickoff prior to kickoff of the South Florida game. But uh, that's a that's a, a cool listen. I thought, I thought Max Hall's was interesting because he gave a couple of things like – we expect big things from Jaron. Here's what he needs to do. Right. I loved it. Stay yeah. consistent on the field and in practice, which means you got to be healthy to be both places. And 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 the other thing was you got to stay healthy. And you you do that and and the sky's the limit. Yeah. And and BYU Sports Addict saying it was it was really cool what Robbie Bosco had to say about Hall last week. Yeah. When we had Robbie here in studio. Um really really, really cool. So. Pro Football Network named three Cougars to its list of the top 100 players in college football for the coming season. Jaron Hall, 38. Blake Freeland, 51. And Clark Barrington, 55. You know what that tells me? That <laughs> Jaron Hall's in really good shape because the other two guys in the top are 55 are his linemen. Hey, and let me tell you something. Before the season's over, everybody's going to go, yikes, this Kingsley dude is ridiculous. So uh, Kingsley Samatea. Um, who's going to play that right tackle? Is he's, a, a, he's a slim what three hundred? He's something. a freak of nature. Three hundred and thirty pound guys that are six six aren't supposed to look like that, and no. they're not supposed to run like that. He's the most athletic three hundred thirty pound guy I've ever seen. And Aaron Roderick said the same thing. I really isoed on him the other day, and I'm going, oh my goodness, he's scary. We're ten so. minutes away from Caleb Chapman and his saxophone. It's like a global countdown. It's countdown. Ten minutes. Let's calm down. Hey, Liberty announced this week that Charlie Brewers, their starting quarterback, he played what? He was at Baylor, threw for yeah, 10,000 yards. For four years. Then he went over to Utah but last year. It doesn't matter. Like, you play like 11 years now with COVID and <laughs> medical hardships and redshirts. You play like 11 So BYU years. beats him, and then the Utes bench him. Right. Put him Cam Rising, and then they go get beat by San Diego State. And, and Brewer kind of goes, well, what am I going to do now? And Lynchburg, Virginia is yeah. on his path. And and think about it. Liberty's been really good. They've been ranked the last couple of years. They throw the ball all over the place. They they even make the comment, we're going to be the East Coast BYU. I yeah. love that, yeah. that that concept. And so Lynchburg, Virginia, on October 27th, BYU's going to face Charlie Brewer again. Isn't it interesting? They're also going to face Gary Bohannon. Right. But Brewer and Bohannon are playing for different teams this year. Yeah, Bohannon, who played at Baylor, yeah. is now with South Florida. And Brewer played at Utah, is now at Liberty. And hey, BYU is going to face those two quarterbacks again. They got the they got the scout on them, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, they know what they know what they can do. So, how about a Zach Wilson update for you? Uh, the second year Jets quarterback is on the mend after last week's knee surgery. The Jets expect him back in the next three weeks. 
Um, Joe Flacco, who's the backup, still preparing to start that uh, opening uh, weekend against the Ravens on September 11th. Um, but you know what? I, I won't be surprised if Zach's ready to go. Sounds like they just did a little bit of a meniscal repair. It was a lot less troublesome than they thought on an initial, an initial look. You know, when something happens like that, a non-contact knee injury, you always fear ACL and all that. Yeah, but sure. Um, he, he got the first opinion and got a second opinion. They went in, and then it's like, hey, but we still don't know. We've got these MRIs, but until we get in there. But they got in there with, with a scope and said, hey, Everything looks pretty good. We'll trim this, you know, we'll fix this meniscus, and he's going to be good to go in, in, in a few weeks. So he, he could possibly play for the opener, but if not then, within the weeks immediately following that, he'll be back and hopefully he can stay healthy. You told Spencer Linton last night. Spencer was back on a BYU TV assignment for the Falcons and Jets, and Zach was there, and, uh, and he said he was feeling pretty good. And Joe Flacco even came out and said, Zach's moving along pretty good, and they're optimistic. To get him back, uh, back in the yep. in the lineup. A- absolutely. Hey, before we move on to women's soccer, you know, Blue Cougar says offense will be great, but watch out for the defense this year. And then, and BYU boy says, asks, will we be playing more man coverage and four on the line since we're healthier ones? There, there's two factors that go into that BYU boy, and it's first of all personnel. So, so yes, they're going to play a lot more man, but it's also because of the type of teams they play this year. When, when you play against teams that are what we call air raid or spread teams, um, most teams play drop eight. And, and, and three. when people play the Kansas City Chiefs, that's what they do, right? They, that's what the Tampa Bay Bucks did against them in the Super Bowl yeah. and stymied them, right? And so sometimes it's not a product of personnel. It's a product of what – and BYU played a bunch of spread teams last year. Well, they don't play that many spread teams this year, or the air raid teams. They play way fewer. So not only do they have the personnel to play man, but they face teams that are more traditional. Like like Boise State's a really traditional team. Arkansas, Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame, yeah. where they're power teams, right? So BYU's going to play way more four man, and they're going to play a lot of man, and everybody's going to th- think it's all personnel. It's not just personnel. It's a combination of that and the type of teams they play this year. Women's soccer, the Cougars played Ohio State on Friday night, 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain on BYU Radio. Depending on which poll you look at, they're either 5 or, or 9. Defeated Cal State Fullerton last Thursday in the season opener 1-0. Home openers coming up Monday afternoon against Colorado. That's at 5 Eastern, 3 Mountain on the BYU TV app with uh, Spencer Linton, Carla Swenson, Jason Shepard on the call. So that's on Monday, but volleyball is ready to go. Yep, the 10th-ranked Cougars open the season on Friday with the BYU Invitational. Uh, they face Ryder at noon Mountain Time. Very, very good program on the BYU TV app. Later Friday night at 7, uh, BYU will host Duke on BYU TV. Then on Saturday night, BYU will host Washington State at 7 on BYU TV with Jerem Jordan, Amy Grant, and Kenzie Korber on the call. So, so we got Duke. And Ohio State in the same week How about for that? soccer and volleyball. Yeah, and you know what? These two programs are Big 12 ready. Women's soccer and women's volleyball are ready to go compete for championships yeah. in the Big 12 right now. One of my favorite guests we've had on here was Jen Rockwood when she came on with us. And and I'll never forget her answer when, when asked um, if they were ready to compete in the Big 12. And she just very calmly said, yeah, we'll play anybody anytime. We'll go compete for a championship right now. We're not afraid of anybody. And they're not. They're top five team for Pete's sake. They just played in the national championship game, and they're loaded coming back. They're, it's a program that's great every year, and they will compete for championships right now. 
Former BYU baseball pitcher Michael Rucker threw two innings of no-hit ball today, picked up his third win of the season as the Cubs shut out rival St. Louis, which, you know, we don't care much for. No. No. Uh, Rucker Great stadium, now, but we don't care for him. Uh, three and one coming out of the bullpen. Keep your eye on him. He's going places, and we, how, how we text happy, it back and forth. How and happy he is are you? Stoked. I mean, this is your lifelong team. Yeah, we have one, and we have decent and, and, young and, pitchers. And now you got a BYU guy there, and and they're actually winning. And, and, and we can, and we uh, we text him, and then he answers back like, you, "Dude, are you in the dugout? You or seem you in the like you're, you seem like you're in a way better mood lately, with Michael Rucker playing. Well, he's and, he's and, pitching great, and yeah. it's always good to have a friend on the roster. Yeah. We have friends in management. We a friend yeah. on the roster. It's always yeah. good. <laughs> you <laughs> that, have that, you have friends with the cup. I have some. I have some other hookups, right? Yeah. Um and. But you have the Cubs hookups, and I gotta say, Dave hooked me up. I've told you this before. I, I went back uh, um, to Wrigley and I sat on the third baseline right behind the dugout because of my guy Dave McCann right there. Now you, you need Broadway tickets or that kind of stuff. That's me. Yeah. That's me. And I can also get you in to see uh, Caleb Chapman and his band. Yes, so I, got, I got that I hope. going for me. As does well. he have a hookup, Caleb? Does he have that hookup? Can I get him in? See your Crescent Super Band. Yeah. Dave could do that. Yeah. Dave, Dave is connected, you guys. Hey, uh, this happened uh, last week. We didn't get a chance to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and Caleb's going to join us here in a minute. Uh, Steve Worster died uh, just past weekend, a week ago. He's 73 years old. Now, who's he? Yeah, he's the former Texas fullback that was the inspiration behind the wishbone. The wishbone. And that right? changed college football in the 60s and early it, 70s. It, it was like Lavelle Edwards bringing the passing game yeah. to college football in the late 70s and 80s. Um, the offense was introduced at Texas, featured three running backs with, with Worcester as the fullback, right? Yeah. Uh, the two running backs were positioned farther back in a wishbone formation. where the wishbone f- formation. came from. Texas won a national title with it, and then Oklahoma and Alabama followed suit running that same offense. Um, the next big game changer is mentioned. Like, that was revolutionary in college right. football. And those big schools ran that wishbone, and, and and we remember Steve Worcester for being the fullback in that, and they put that together so that he, they could put him in that position. Next big change was when Lavelle Edwards came in and said, you know what, we're going to throw the football. That's going to be the great equalizer. And look where that's where that's yeah. going. And now BYU is a is a storied program with a national championship and almost every major award known to college football because Lavelle Edwards decided to pass. So Steve Worcester, who most of us would have never heard of before, had a big change, big impact on how college football is played and was played and uh, passed away. But I thought that was interesting. And, and people don't run the wishbone anymore, but the whole idea of the triple option is still part of football. This yeah. this RPO stuff that teams run, um, you know, the zone read plays that they run are all elements of the option that Texas put in place when Steve Worcester was there in that wishbone offense. So there's still elements of what they did way back when in the game today that have an impact on the game. So our condolences to, to the Worcester family. At 73, Steve passes away. Tony Finau starts the FedEx Tour Championship. Where the winner makes eighteen million bucks, so the play begins Thursday at East Lake Golf Club in Atlanta. He's eighth in the FedEx standing, so he's going to start the tournament at four under par, trailing the points leader Scotty Scheffler by six shots. That's how they do it in this yeah, final. It's a cool. It's a cool way. They, it all leads up to this. Right? And if you're the money, if you're the guy, you, there's an advantage. You get you get strokes, and everyone's got to chase you. But Finau in his last three tournaments over three point four yeah. million. And, and by the way, I, when when we were down at the Masters earlier this spring, we followed Scotty Scheffler around. That guy's just like unflappable. And yeah. when he's hot, 
You can't beat him. He he was on a really, really big run. Tony's on the most recent run. But if you're spotting Scotty Scheffler <laughs> that many strokes. It's going to be tough. My, my money's on Scotty Scheffler <laughs> yeah. this week. I would love to see Tony because we love him. Love to see him win. He, you know. He needs to have four good rounds. He had three really good rounds this last week and had a rough round yeah, open and then had three start. great rounds. Four good rounds and maybe. But if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, Scotty Scheffler with, with that advantage going in. Finau is also going to represent the United States in the President's Cup. Very congratulate cool. Yeah, very, very cool. This next thing about Alabama football coach Nick Saban today. Yeah. Signs an extension. It's Wild. going to pay him an average of $11.2 million per season. For the next. For the next 10 years. Oh, my goodness. And that prompted this tweet from Nick Gerdeman. I want to see what you think about it. He said, quote, Saban has never lost a non-conference road game in his 15 years at Alabama. If Bama wins at Texas this season, he will move to an incredible 3-0. This is, this is all tongue-in-cheek, right? I think it's actually true. They, they don't go on the road. And they don't play... They don't play ranked teams, certainly non-conference they, they, they games on the road. Don't, other than their SEC, SEC schedule, they don't play anybody, and they certainly don't Now, go Gerdeman writes for the Buckeye Huddle covering yeah, Ohio course, State, so he's got something. But then I started thinking about it, going, what a smart thing to do. Never go on the road and play a non-conference team. And if you do twice, and maybe three times now with Texas, yeah. win those – and you, you make $11.2 million a season. Yeah. Well, hey, nobody's questioned that Bama's not one of the elite teams in the country, but they don't challenge themselves to start. And they don't. here's the thing. They don't have to. Yeah. And they don't have play, to go and prove anything. They might play a big game at a neutral site. That's not on the road. They're Bama. They don't have to prove anything. They just go out and win the SEC. So As uh, Caleb Chapman moves into his seat over here, we'll tell you next week, Brandon Doman and Amber Whiting will be with us. On the Wise Guys, Whiting's the new women's head basketball coach. Uh, September 6th, Will Snowden, former running back. Brian Keel, former linebacker. And, by, and, and by women's way, golf coach Kerry Roberts will yeah, be with Will us. Will Snowden, his son, is a big-time recruit. One yeah. of the fastest players in the Western United States. Plays corner for Sky Ridge. And, so I think and we, he's we, on BYU's yeah, radar. Yeah, so, so we'll, we'll talk about Will's after. experience. Maybe ask him about how... How his son is doing. Yeah. And then some of the names coming up uh, in September. Brandon Ogletree, former linebacker. Baseball coach Trent Pratt. Dan Forsman, five-time PGA Tour winner, uh, will be with us. Austin Colley yep. committed today. Margin Hooks going to join us. Ed Eyestone. He's still looking to figure out how to replace Connor Mance. Yeah, that's big time. Head coach for cross country. Andrew Rich, Devin Durant committed yep. to and join we're gonna us. Ask, we're going to ask the other side of the story of the Devin Durant, Marie Osmond <laughs> yeah. dating saga on that one. And, and then, Travis Hansen will be with us as yep. we get into October. Awesome, awesome lineup. And, uh, um, hey, Dan Forsman coming on. It was you and I played golf with Dan, and he went out on the front nine in, at Riverside Country Club, and he shot a 36. So pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. Like, he shot even par. And I was like, man. Like, I wasn't that far off of that. I'm pretty close. And then and then all Dan did was go out and shoot 32 on the back nine, and I was like, okay, never mind. I'm not close. Our next guest is a BYU grad who's making the world a more musical place, uh, and music and sports go hand in hand. He's a teacher, a performer, an author, an executive, a saxophonist, a Cougar football fan. His bands, which age from 8 to 18 in age, I've recorded with ACDC, which is my first question, but we'll get to that. Yeah, Rolling we're going to get Stones, to that. Neon Trees, which is full of BYU grads. The Killers, DJ Cascade, among many others. Our pleasure to welcome to the Wise Guys, the founder of Caleb Chapman Soundhouse and Grammy-nominated Crescent Super Band, Caleb Chapman. Hey, guys. Pretty Let's awesome. Let's get his mic we up there. We got his mic up. 
Okay, Thanks for DJ, being here. DJ says he's up and ready to yeah, go. I think we're rolling. There we go. Now, yeah. you kind of had to sit there with your fiance, Tommy, uh, while you watched the last 20 minutes of The Wise Guys. Loved it. Uh, did we get you up to date on everything <laughs> I, that was I, imper- I, important? I feel like I'm all the way up to you speed You feel like you know season. what's going on with, with the Cougs right now, getting ready for football? We got a million questions for you, but let's start with the ACDC question. ACDC. I don't even care how loose the connection is between your company and ACDC, but let's talk about what that connection is. So uh, Chris Slade, uh, drummer for yeah. ACDC, great friend, come out, he's come out to Utah, worked with us many times, recorded with us, performed with the, with the kids and everything, and actually uh, taught at my camp a few years. So Thunderstruck. That, that's him? That's him. Oh, man. That's him. Was he uh, super cool? He's beyond cool. I, I'll tell you how cool he was. We, we were actually, uh, it was one of the years we were doing a camp. We were, we were out grabbing food. And this eight-year-old kid came in. No, he's probably younger than that. Maybe six-year-old kid came in with an ACDC tee on. And, uh, and Chris Slade saw it, and he, he went over, and he said, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt your meal, he said, but uh, you're wearing my shirt. And the kid <laughs> about died right there. And he, he spent a good 20 minutes hanging out with the kid, taking pictures. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know if, if you, you know this or not, um, but that is Dave's. Like ACDC oh, is his. When we oh, saw him in Vegas a few years back, uh, they were spectacular. He, it was when, like sitting when, in a Night of the Living Dead audience. We <laughs> got out was, of there pretty quick. When he was working at KLAS, um, you know, every year you'd get the box or the suite up above, which was a good thing because if you're down on the floor, even if you're not smoking weed, you're getting high. And now right here, Blaine's going to have a complaint here right now because I never invited him to come down. No, he actually did one time, and I was just like, no, I cannot partake of. <laughs> that is not true. One, you'd be there in a second if you could have been. No, I would have been there. But uh, what about the Rolling Stones? And these are Utah kids, a lot of Utah kids. These are young musicians mixing it with the greatest band and their personnel in the history of music. What about about the Stones? Yeah, so with those guys, I mean, you know, their drummer, legendary. Mm -hmm. Please tell me you know his name. Watts. Yeah, thank you. Got it. Don't don't mess with him on, on rock. Yeah. So if you yeah. want to know who Snoop's Just drummer the classic is, I got rock. you. I don't know who Snoop's drummer is. <laughs> no, I mean, he was a, he was a, uh, a consummate, you know, uh, not just musician, but he, he, he was an educator and actually a huge jazz fan and loved playing jazz, really? uh, which a lot of people don't know. So, you know, that was my connection there, but yeah, again, uh, really, really gracious with the kids. And I mean, you know, this Dave over the years, I mean, every, the thing is about these kids at the sound house and just with Utah in general, you turn on any of the reality, you know, uh, talent shows whether it's singing or you know the the music or songwriting or any of that stuff man dancing utah's always represented yeah we are i think per capita the most talented state in the nation uh, hands down uh well with, you would know because these are a lot of these yeah. are your yeah. kids that come tell, tell us a little bit about about soundhouse so, so it's a musician performance training program right uh, and you're working with the kids they're, they're playing with professionals what what is this all about and there's huge talent here, as you've established. And so what are you doing to help hone that talent with these kids? Well, you know, I, and Dave and I were talking about this the other day. Um, you know, the way I approached music, when I, I studied music at BYU, I came mm-hmm. out here to Utah yeah. to, to study music. But, um, you know, the, the way we do it, I, I took what I learned at BYU and kind of uh, put my own spin on it and uh, really came up with a, a, a different approach to music. And a lot of the concepts that I use and that, that my team uses at the Soundhouse, we ripped off of sports. Like, 
Coach K, like his books. I, I mean, those are like my Bibles. Yeah. And, um, and so really we took, I, I, I played all sports that had a ball growing up. Any yeah. football, baseball, basketball, all of it. So you're like us. I am. Only you can play. I am like you Only guys. Only you have I'm a like God-given talent. But I'm not as cool. <laughs> yeah. But, no, uh, you're, cooler. you're cooler than us. Anybody that plays a saxophone is just, it's got a lot of street cred. It's cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I took a lot of those concepts that I learned from playing team sports and brought those into the music. And so, um, you know, we've had massive success cranking out the top young musicians in the nation, yeah. literally. Uh, they're at the, the best music schools in the, in the world. And, and people are asking me, you know, like, what kind of ninja music stuff are you teaching? And it's actually it has nothing to do with music skills. What we're teaching them is uh, how to drive themselves, how to expect more of themselves, and really just asking these kids to do stuff that nobody else is asking them to do. And uh, setting the expectations, giving them a reason to work, and when you do that, when you believe in these kids, just like on a sports team, they deliver big time. So, so you're, you're basically saying to them, hey, if you want to be great, here we're going to teach you the tools to be great. Are you all in? And then you're – same same thing. We just, you know, had Clark Heyman on, who's a, who's a fighter pilot and has, has uh, done um, a bunch of flyovers, but also has flown sorties over yeah. the Middle East. And he talked about – sports and how the same mentality applies about preparation and pushing yourself and and uh being focused and being having exactness and all those things sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with no, these kids and teaching them that that's exactly it and i love the all the words you just used are the exact words that, that i use you know um like our bar isn't like pretty good or really good it's perfection we shoot for perfection and um and and you know another thing that i took from my sports experience, that's very different from what I've seen done anywhere else, which I think is a big part of the success. And you guys, you guys will be able to relate to this is, you know, when I initially started teaching music, I did it like I'd seen it, which is I'm the teacher, you're the students, I'm the coach, you know, you're the kids, you know, you do what I say. Yeah. And that's not a really effective model. And I thought back to like all the sports that I did and the, the best teams I was on, you know why they were the best? It's because we had a good coach, but more importantly, there was peer pressure within that group. It was the guys on the team pushing you to be awesome. It wasn't the coach standing there and yelling in your face. It was your buddies going, you better not let us down. You know, like yeah. I'm here sweating, putting the work in. You need to carry your weight too. And so we take that same thing on to the bandstand, you know. And so it's the musicians putting pressure on the other musicians. Like we're going to be incredible. We're going to be amazing. And we're going to bring it 100%. When you get that that team, uh, that peer pressure of their of their colleagues, that delivers results like you can't get by you know screaming in a kid's face. Caleb Chapman's on the Wise Guys tonight. We're talking about music and sports. Your Soundhouse is headquartered in American Fork. How many bands do you have in there? Uh, genres that you're teaching, and and how does a kid get? Do they just knock on the door and say, "I'd like to come in," or do you recruit them? How do they sign up? Yeah, so we have over 20 bands. Every band's a different style. 20 of music. bands? Oh, yeah. This year we'll probably be fielding close to 25. Wow. So 300 kids. Um, every group is a different style of contemporary music. So we have everything from, uh, you know, obviously alternative, uh, modern rock, ska, reggae, funk, R&B, Motown. I think there's some opera Latin. in there. Yeah. <laughs> no opera. <laughs> no yet. opera no, yet. See, Marie, We're kind of going with a little Marie more Marie told us that she just... Decided to teach herself opera. Yeah. And then she launched an opera album and it went to number one. So you got opera to add, but you got everything else. We got everything else. I, I just, I like, I heard like my music now, not just yours. What? 
I heard funk and R and B and yeah. I, I grew up I grew up in New York playing sports, so those were my genres. Well, right? there you go. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and there's not a lot of opportunities. If, if you're a kid that wants to dig into R&B, where, where are you going to do that? You know, so uh, basically, you know, I'm, st- I'm still a kid in, in inside here. And we built Soundhouse to be like what I wish I had access to, you know, growing up in Boston. Now, I've been to the Soundhouse. I've seen you work and um, and, and you're unique in a way because. You, you got the students playing, and, and if you've ever seen Caleb's band, and they've been all over the place, you'll know that, that you're jumping around like a linebacker that just sacked the quarterback the whole time, and it's like, it's entertainment. I'm watching the band, I'm watching you, I'm listening to the music, and I'm going, that is one band instructor who is into his work. Well, yeah, I mean, I, look, I got the best seat in the house. <laughs> These kids are absolutely amazing. I mean, world class. Like we, they're geniuses, right? They are geniuses, and they're they are fully pro. Like we, you know, just last weekend we were in Telluride on the main stage of the big festival there, and That's um, awesome. yeah, and they're playing for thousands of people, you know, and uh, and they can absolutely completely hang at the highest level. I mean, that's why all these guys come in from Journey and ACDC and Toto and the Killers and all that. It's yeah. because these kids can play at their level, you know, and, and that's that, that pretty is, awesome. That's incredible. I, I need to come out and see it. Okay, so people, when they think of music schools, I immediately think of School of Rock. Right. Right. So similar, dissimilar, any any ties He's to that He's got a little Jack all? Black in it. You have a little Jack Black in any tie at all to how, what we saw in School of Rock? So it's it's kind of a similar thing. You know, School of Rock is a is a global franchise at this point. They've got, you know, hundreds of locations. And and School of Rock is a great organization. We we actually work with them. And um, they they really here in Utah have become our feeder. So like the kids that are are a little bit more serious about music end up coming over and, and working with us after a few years there. So School of Rock is a great place for kids to kind of like get their feet wet and, and you know, just kind of jam out a little bit. Soundhouse is for these kids that are like they're ready to do it. Tr- truly gifted. Tour, and, record, you know, and, hang and with the rock stars. So, so what's the long term for these kids that come into the program? Because some of them come in to you pretty young, right, yeah. into the program. Yeah. They're, they're, they're prodigies. They're geniuses. And uh, and then and then what's the pathway? What's the long term for these kids that come through the program? Well, Blaine, i got to back you up for just one second because what you said, a lot of people assume when they see these bands that these kids are all geniuses coming in. Now, I'll tell you, they are geniuses, but... 95% of them don't start that way. 95% of them start as just normal, average kids who've got an interest in like and, playing great and, music. And then you find the prodigy in them or the, or we, the genius in them. We give them a reason to become geniuses. I love that. Yeah. So here's a question that all parents want you to answer and they hope their kids are listening. Um, how have you seen music transform young minds to where they, their self-confidence, their self-awareness, and their overall intellect is increased as they learn to play something. Well, I mean, it's a no-brainer. We all know that music makes kids smarter, right? But and, and, and I think, you know, to go back real quick to answer that question, I want to go back to Blaine's question just a second ago, which is what's the end goal? A lot of people think since these kids are performing at such a high level, the end goal is to create an army of professional musicians. That's not it. The end goal is to create an army of incredibly successful humans and there's mm-hmm. nothing you know better than music as a vehicle to do that that's why we do what we do because these kids come out of this with incredible confidence uh the ability you know to to be creative problem solve teamwork all of that stuff and the proof is in the pudding we've been this is our 25th year of Soundhouse, and in those 25 years every single kid thousands of kids have not just graduated high school 
thousands of kids, every single one has gotten college scholarship offers. Wow. Every single kid. So, so, hey, so uh, one of our, uh, this is like a hangout. So people ask yeah, us whatever yeah, they yeah, want. Yeah. They want to know if Dave and, or I play any instruments. So I'm going to let yeah. Dave go first. Do you play any instruments, Dave? Uh, I only sing duets with Maria Osmond. Yeah, he did sing on stage with Maria at the same I, uh, Yeah, I Caleb saw suffered. it. And you know what he tweeted? I, he tweeted, I... I don't have the words. I think was. The, <laughs> so, I think that I'm was speechless. the truth. So, so that Dave, mean all kinds of Dave plays the radio. <laughs> Just no couldn't words. find the words. I, no words. I play piano, guitar, and drums. So I play three instruments. Yeah. I grew up in a musical family. I'm in a weird. I'm from a weird family that where the arts and sports were equally important. And I have a daughter that's a Broadway star and went through the MDT program at BYU. Um, both of all of our kids are are musical, um, and they're all athletic. And those two things. As you mentioned, Caleb, those two disciplines really go together. I think they do. Um, I, I, you'll love this. So my our one that's on Broadway, um, a dance. I'm not going to name names, but a dance, a ballet program, um, said to her, "You need to come here all the time, or we're going to kick you out." <laughs> and she, because you can't keep leaving to go to track. And she said, well, then you can kick me out because I'm going to track, right? right? Yeah. So she goes to track. She finds another studio. I'll mention this one, Love to Dance. And they said, listen, we'll find you some ballet. We'll bring a, an instructor down from the University of Utah once a week so you get your ballet. Come dance with us and go run track and go do the things you want to do. So she runs in the state championships in, in the 100-meter hurdles uh, all through high school, a big-time recruit for high school track programs. But, but they let her use these disciplines to – to do both, to do music and. And so I kind of want to go back to that dance studio, I'm not naming names again, and say, she's one of the best dancers in the world now. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's and, like and, a football. And, and, the, and the people that really raised her up and gave her confidence are the ones that said, go excel in everything. Right. right. Yep. Go do everything. We see it all the time with football coaches going, uh, if you're on the football team, you can't play baseball. Right. You can't play basketball. And college coaches today are saying, they want to recruit kids that play everything. Right. Because it makes them a, a well-known. Yep. Yeah. Now, in defense of my mother, who had 10 of us, <laughs> she tells us that uh, due to our lack of music, uh, musical intellect, she said, I had to make a choice. I had to make a choice. Do I force my three boys to learn the piano and become an alcoholic, or do I let them do what they want <laughs> and live a life free of alcohol? And she chose the word of wisdom. That's, there you go. So, I, hey, you know, the, so we can't I play the it. piano. Hey, who, is it... it Mike is just me. One of our, says, hey, I grew up playing violin, trumpet, French horn, and tuba. Man, those don't seem to go together to me. Those don't, no. Those that, don't that's a much. great eclectic group of instruments yeah. to play. Way to go, Mike. Now, before you play for us here in just a second, and you've played the national anthem for the Jazz and, and the Nuggets and the Wizards and the Celtics and the Heat and, and all that, See, which that's is all super the spo- cool. All the sports and music all come together at some <laughs> point. But right? finish this question. Finish this sentence, not yeah. a question. The power of music is is the power of music is uh, unmeasurable i I, it just it like music it it think think of how many things that we have in life that can um you know that that are better than language that are that cross uh uh borders of of culture and race and 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 geography and language and and uh, you know social status. Music is is that. I mean, the, everybody can enjoy music, and and there are and you know music is a communication tool that is so much more powerful than words. When when we're in love with somebody, 
What do you do? You, like we have you, a song. Don't you, we all have a you song? You have a song. Hey, what's what's your? You what's don't your, have a poem. What's your song? What's your guy's? Yeah, song? You, nobody what's, says. You hey, what's, song what's, with Tommy? What's, what's your guy's poem or what's your guy's favorite quote? No, we have a, a song. Tommy, right? what's your song? <laughs> Wait, you guys need to find a They're song. Still thinking you're about mar- their song. Yeah, you're marrying the musicians. We're, we're we're narrowing it down. So, hey, yeah. question: uh, How can I get my first grade son interested in music? Yeah, well, Chaplain Brett. Yeah, Chaplain Brett Peterson's asking that one of our one of our. Uh, hangouts with us here well the way to get them interested is to connect them with with music that they're interested in you know i i think and this is my soapbox with music education is that um for hundreds of years uh we've been i mean thousands of years the the way that music has been taught through the ages uh was with folk music of the day so folk music of the day a thousand years ago was very different from folk music today but this problem that we've got in music education is that we are still teaching music to kids with folk music from hundreds of years ago. We need to be teaching kids with folk music of today. What's today's folk music? Today's folk music is, is Bruno Mars and Justin Timberlake mm-hmm. and Beyonce. Coldplay. Coldplay. Yeah. Go sign up for school music and see how many of those schools are playing music by those groups. The problem is they're still playing marches that are hundreds of years old that parents aren't interested in, kids aren't interested in. It's really tough. Now, does that music have value? Absolutely. I mean, I am the biggest classical music fan. As a matter of fact, what I wanted to do for a career was direct symphony orchestras. That's what I studied in high school. I wanted to direct the Utah Symphony. But, uh, you know, I ended up doing other things. But the thing is, I'm passionate about classical music. I'm passionate about jazz and art music. But if we want to preserve those... We need to get more kids involved with music, more first graders playing music. And the way we do that is by getting kids playing the music they're listening to, you know? Yep. So we need a big change, a, a massive uh, shift in music education. Let me tell you a story, a quick story that goes with what you just said a moment ago that brought it to my memory. Uh, and it was at the Olympics over in Sochi. And of course, music, the Olympics aren't the Olympics unless the Olympic right. music comes on right. and sets the tone for for, for all of that stuff. But we, uh, we'd been over there for about two weeks and we went into Sochi to go to a branch on Sunday, a church branch there. And, um, and we finally got there and our whole world is surrounded by Russian, Russian, everything. We had an interpreter just to get through the city to get where we're going. And we go up there into the chapel and everyone's speaking Russian. Um, and I sat there and I thought, okay, what's this going to be like until the organ started to play? And it dawned on me that, uh, that the music is not bound by the language. And, and all of a sudden, in the middle of forever away from my home, I knew the words to the song we were about to sing, and it, just was, it was just kind of a, an aha moment of, hey, wait a second, what the song that that organ's playing is the same for everyone. That's right. That's exactly right. Music is the universal language, right? Yeah, and I sang so, in English, and everyone hey, else sang hey, in Russian. Fortunately, I had no idea what I was when, singing. When I when I think <laughs> about sports and music, like I go to a major league baseball game, and every player picks a walk up song mm-hmm. that represents who they are. And now I was just I was just down St. George this weekend for my grandson's birthday, and he says, "Hey, Pop, do you know what my walk up song is?" On his little league team, they all have a, <laughs> they all have a, they all have a, a walk up song. Music is part of the fabric of our lives. It's it's. It's pretty cool, and it and sports and music are integrated in a big way. What's your walk-up song? If you, had, if you were walking up to the plate, what would be your walk-up song? Or if you're coming out in the stadium, what's the song that represents you? Man, I've got to think about that for a second. 
Uh, See, maybe back like in black. Back in black. Back yeah, in black. I, I like put Dave or, on the spot or the, the intro of Highway to Hell before they, you know, there the you words go. come up. Where it's just the. <laughs> da, na, na, what, what's your da, What's your da, walk up song, Caleb? What's yours? You know, back in black. I got to be honest. And back in black got me in trouble on the David Letterman show. <laughs> what um, happened? Uh, it was sad. Uh, he was interviewing Letterman. Was interviewing Kiefer Sutherland. I was in the audience, uh, <laughs> guest to my friend Tom Malone, yeah. uh, who's in the band there. And uh, I thought I had muted my phone. And of course, my ringtone was, oh, back, in it was back in black. Oh, it's back in black. During Letterman. Full volume. Oh, no. <laughs> in the middle of the interview. Yeah, security almost threw me out because, yeah, they're doing the interview and. You got a David Letterman yeah, moment. That's awesome. Uh, that one takes us back to our youth. Start me up. It's another good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I like that. Just a, I, I think what was yours? My, mine's cha- well, I've changed now, but mine now, I think if I was walking up, I would run to play My House by Flo Rida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and and I the the, the guy that wrote, Ross Golan wrote um, My House, and he and his wife were, were and he told us the story. Do you Have you ever met Ross? No, I've never great, met Ross. Great, great, great I know, songwriter. I know about him. Yeah, yeah so... So, um, and Ross represents songwriters all over. Yeah. With, yeah. So, so Ross was telling us he and his wife were sitting home on a Sunday night and they're like, Hey, let's, let's write a song. And they were thinking they've written some stuff for Adele. So they thought, well, you know, let's, let's write a song for Adele. Let's write a ballad. And you know how we just like to hang out on a Sunday night. Let's write a, a song about hanging out on a Sunday night at our house. And they start doing it like, ah, oh, this just isn't working. What if we, what if we upbeat it a little bit? Let's speed it up a little bit. What? And they started to do all these little things to it. And then they both looked at each other and went, Flow. <laughs> so they go from writing an Adele song to they, they think this is good for Flow Rider. They've written some things for him. So they record a little thing, a little demo, and they call him on the phone and they play it for him on the phone. And, and Flow Rider goes, That's a number one hit. I want it. Right. I want to record it. And he records it. So My House was actually a song that Roscoe and started to write that he thought they were writing for maybe for Adele, and yeah. it ends up being, that's how music is, right? Yeah. But I love it because I'm walking up, and it's like, welcome to my house. Like, this is my house. Uh-huh. So I think that would be my walk up right now. With my my house. flow rider. Yeah. Now, well, I, you asked how powerful music was. Yeah. I got to tell you, for me, how powerful it was. You know, I love BYU football. I love Cougar Stadium. I love playing football. But I did get to play in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Oh. But it was... On my instrument, you know, not at Stadium of Fire. At Stadium of Fire, yeah, yeah opening. And you uh, rocked the place. We, uh, it was just a few people in the crowd, forty thousand people. Just a few, so cool. Opening for a little band, Journey. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was an so, awesome night. So, what yeah, a music, night. I would say music's pretty powerful. <laughs> it is. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. For the first time ever in the history of the Wise Guys, we're gonna have some live music. Right now, you ready wow. for Rise and Shout? Rise and Shout I on the saxophone. You, this is a wait, this guy. My, hey, I question though: Are you playing injured right now? I, I am. <laughs> I, Dave reminded me of my mom today because I wasn't. So once, so you know, I played sports all growing up, uh, all through elementary, junior high, got to high school, and you know, you kind of, if you're serious about sports or music, you kind of got to pick one, you right? Know? right. And uh, and so I, I was my best, I, my best sport was baseball. I was a great pitcher, and um, and I, I was thinking I, that's the route I was going to go. I was going to drop music do baseball and uh, hope for a scholarship. I had a buddy that was a pitcher that was older than me, went to college on scholarship. And while I was a freshman, he was a freshman in college, threw out his arm his freshman year, no more scholarship. And so that was enough for me to go, uh, I'm going to stick with music instead of baseball. So, um, so music was my focus. That's how I was going to pay for everything. And uh, my, my mom completely 
uh, forbade me from playing basketball <laughs> at that point. Uh, yeah. For the jam. Can't players. hurt. Can't now, hurt. wait a second. Before you compare so, me I, to your good mother. No, yeah. You sounded exactly like you're, I got my yeah, mom again. Years here. late. You're not a teenager when uh, I sent you that text. Yeah. Well, well, you're a grown man engaged. What did he say to you in the text? Well, he told me I'm not allowed to play basketball if I'm going to play the saxophone. He's he said gotta, I have to get got, my priorities. I'll tell you exactly what I said. He's got to do what he loves to do. I'll tell you exactly what I said. He goes, hey, uh, I totally jammed my finger playing hoops today, and it kills like a mother, <laughs> speaking of mother, uh, so you'll get the fight song, but probably not anything else. And then I said, there comes a moment in time when we need to put the basketball down <laughs> and focus exactly on the more mom. important he, things. Sometimes he's way too, like, what is he? I'm like, what are you, 80? Uh, I are said, you 80 years old? What's going on? I said, you? we'll Jeez. take the rise and shout and then tell Tommy she's always welcome to come to the show whether you come yeah, or not. I told her that. I, I like, everybody's throwing, all of our followers are throwing out their walk-up songs. And I like that one of our guys, uh, uh, Bluesville, says everyone needs a walk-out-the-door song in the morning. Right? <laughs> My walk-out-the-door yeah. song in the morning is Nappy Roots, Good Day. Good day. Good day. Gotta have yeah, a good day. All my that, all my homies gonna. But anyhow, they're, they're, so they're they're putting those in there. I think Beethoven uh, would be cool to walk up to Beethoven's, Beethoven's fifth. fifth. <laughs> walk up to the and that's what Chaplin, of course, Chaplin Brett Peterson. Everybody's happy song is the fight song because that meant someone just scored a yes, touchdown. That's right. But I want to point out. So you're. I shouldn't have said you're injured because there's a sports saying that you can play hurt, but injured is a different. Like if you're injured. Then you shouldn't play. You got to yeah. heal up. He's if not injured. No, if you're just hurt, he's just dinged up. You got to play yeah, hurt. It just doesn't bend all you the gotta, way. You got to play hurt. So, <laughs> but fortunately, you so, don't need your fingers to play so the Caleb, saxophone. No. Caleb's just hurt. He's not injured. He's hurt, but he's gonna play That's hurt. Right. Now, now I I did graduate from BYU. Right. I have never in my life played the fight song on saxophone. Not well, remember what? a couple weeks ago no. when I said, "Hey, can you play the fight song?" I know you did. I knew you that. would go Pe- find out how to play it. People get mad at us because. We're broadcasting a game, and they play the fight song, but we got to stay broadcasting the game. We're on the mic. We're sitting down at the table, and people are like, how come you don't stand up during the fight song? Because <laughs> we're announcing. I'm like, I'm, the other I'm team announcing isn't cheering the game. For this song. I'm like, come on. Give me a little break. Okay, so was this a hard song to learn on the saxophone? Uh, I got to be honest. I haven't spent a ton of time learning it. But so we're winging it? Is that what we're going to well, do? You know what? Slightly winging it. If anybody it. Okay. can wing it. This is the guy. Ho- hopefully, hopefully we got. I it, mean, yeah. of all the nice things we've said, so do, do just leading up to this and, point, and we, yeah, and I'm going to stand up because. All right. Okay, this is Caleb Chapman. By the way, he's a. Uh, is I, am I, I saying this right? You're a clinical you know, I, saxophonist. I like, I've got albums out on iTunes. Instead of playing my albums, we are having me play the fights. Yeah, where, where do you want the mic? Down by the. Yeah, it's going to be down here. Just, hey, just for the example, just for. You could have played some of those songs had you not played basketball this morning. So we're happy with the fight songs. You're supposed to play my album off the internet. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We'll tell people where to go. We're going to tell them where to go. All right, for the first time ever, live music on the Wise Guys. World famous uh, Caleb Chapman, minus his Crescent Super Band. They're not good. Good. I'm I told you he's good. 
I, I, I heard some it. Louisiana in there too. I was, oh, was a little side that, stuff. I like the little runs. That, like that, that was sweet. That was sweet. All right, he's gonna get his headset on. We got five quick questions for you, but before All we right. get to that, tell us where you're doing right now. I know you've been working with David Osmond, and he's been working with you and your band. Yeah. And then uh, you're getting married on October first. So let's first start with what you're up to, and then we're gonna talk about getting married. Well, look at that. I mean, I mean, I got to work with. David Osman recently, who mm-hmm. sings with Marie. Yeah. And I got to work with Dave McCann, who also coming. sings yes, with Marie. Yes, he sings with Marie at the Sarah Oh, my gosh. It's, it's almost is, in stereo. Oh, this is crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> Don't get so. him going or he's going to start singing all and the you time. And you got some gigs coming up. We got some gigs coming up. Yeah. I mean, uh, man, there's all kinds of stuff going on. But a big one with, uh, with, my, with Dave, uh, with the Osman Chapman Orchestra. Um, we've got a big uh, cruise coming up in January with the piano guys. That's open. Oh, that sounds oh, wow. delightful! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw John Schmidt last night at the yeah. show. Fantastic! Oh man, John's John's great. And uh, um, so that's going to be through the Mexican Riviera in January. So you need nice. to, you guys need to hop on that one. Yeah, way to schedule it right in the middle of basketball season. <laughs> hey, uh, Dave, where, where's that text? You know, sometimes yeah. it comes. We need to set our priorities and make decisions yeah. about what's really. Oh my gosh. Speaking of priorities and decisions. Decisions. Uh, congratulations on the wedding coming up. Yes. Thank you. Best decision of my life. We're so. excited about it. I know you're excited about I'm it. I'm very excited. And I'm what's, glad what's, Tommy's excited what's about the, it. What's the date? October 1st, October right? October 1st. Okay, and everybody's invited that's out there. <laughs> everybody's invited. It'll just be finger foods, but uh, I think that that's awesome. Um, and it just, it just fills in the – it just gives you balance, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It just gives you balance. Especially, I, I mean, of all people, I need it. So uh, Tommy will attest to that. <laughs> that is true. You ready for five questions? I'm ready for five we'll questions. Get you out and here. by the way, BYU Sports Addict says, okay, that song on the sax was just plain old freaking awesome. <laughs> so I, lo- I love it. So here's your five questions. That's great. Right. We'll have it on our podcast, too, yep. and we'll push it out to YouTube yep. so everyone yep. can hear it. Favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie? Uh, Remember the Titans. Okay, right. now, you're the first one that's been on our show that has the same one as me. What? Yeah. Are you kidding? That's Are mine. Remember Marie's was Hoosiers when she came right out. She Without hesitation. No hesitation. Hoosiers? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, she's married to a basketball player. <laughs> that's true. So, favorite band or singer? Uh, the Police. Why? The Police. Uh, just because, th- I mean, three musicians that were all some of the greatest ever, and, and they made, with just three people and three instruments, they made bigger thicker music than bands with 10 guys on the stage uh, completely changed the face of rock and roll um, and just incredibly inventive and just I love every single tune who, that band right. who, who did Roxanne police okay that's the that's the one of the big numbers in Moulin Rouge that my daughter's yeah. in right now and they're performing it she's doing it on uh um, James Corden show on Thursday night. Oh, nice! On the late late show. Tune in. Yeah, so yeah. everybody watch that. Rock Classic Sand, rocks police. a gray area for Blaine. Yeah. Yeah. I just <laughs> so that. anyhow, uh, favorite breakfast cereal. Favorite breakfast cereal. Uh, that one's easy. It's peanut butter Captain Crunch. See, Dave. Interesting. Like he, I'm that down. he just said. The, I thought uh, these he, questions were hard. He said Captain Crunch. I'm like, these aren't no, hard no, no, questions. Like, They're just and, five and, questions. And we were all like, oh, he, yeah. he says Captain Crunch. We're like. And I don't need like, peanut butter in like, there. Is it, is if it I the want peanut, peanut butter, butter I'll, I'll have cr- a sandwich for is lunch. Is it crunch berries? <laughs> and he's just like, no, regular Captain Crunch. We're going, oh, that is so lame. I did this Peanut morning. butter crunch with peanut the butter. Smedley, the, the elephant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, those are the best. You got it. Favorite arena or venue that you've performed in? And that could be international. So. Yeah. And the, your favorite well, venue no, ever? E- easy, uh, Carnegie Hall. Okay. Had my, we had cool. our, our own night headlining. I mean, oh, how cool. I had 
my name on Carnegie Hall. Like that was like I didn't think I'd ever get there. And I, I sat cool. in the um, the center box uh, in the, on that mezzanine level in Carnegie Hall with Steve Young mm-hmm. um, to watch Libby perform the prayer with uh, Dallin Vale. Bales. Oh yeah, I worked with Dallin. Yeah, he's so, awesome. Incredible talent. Carnegie Hall, guy, right? What's that? Carnegie Hall. Carnegie, yeah. Carnegie and, Hall. And here was what was cool about it. I picked this up because I, I didn't have much interest, interest in saxophone at all, and um, I got the sax mainly because it got me out of a like a, a workshop at school or something like that. I wasn't interested. My mom knew I wasn't, so she went to the record store, said, "Give me the album of the coolest sax player there is," and they sold her a David Sanborn album. Oh yeah. She brought it home. I listened to that, and I was like. I got to play the saxophone. So my show at Carnegie Hall was me at Carnegie Hall with special guest David Sanborn. Oh, so I got that to perform a, with do, David Sanborn. What other instruments do you play? I mean, I make noise on everything, but this is the only one that's I your, That's for. your baby right there. <laughs> yeah. You played Carnegie right Hall and the Wise Guys. Let's, let's include right. that so, in the same so, sentence. So now, so now we've, we've talked about your favorite arena or venue that you've played. What's, the, what's your favorite concert you've ever been to that you're not playing in? Oh, oh man, I have been to a lot of concerts. Favorite concert that I've been to. Yeah. Is it because of the venue or the band? The band. The band. Okay, so here's the thing. This was not my favorite band, but it was my the most impactful concert I've ever been to was Paul McCartney oh. at Energy Solutions or whatever it was named at that time. I mean, right. who remembers what, what it was? But I'll tell you what. He had this huge band, and I, I just went because I just wanted to see a Beatle. I'd mm-hmm. never seen a Beatle in concert. <laughs> so I just bought the tickets, and I went. I wasn't expecting anything. You know, we all know all the tunes, but eh, I, I was just and, – and so the show was great. And I, I like really was enjoying it. And then he dismissed his band, and uh, it was just him on stage with an acoustic guitar oh, wow. playing Blackbird. And it was about halfway through the tune, and I just I felt like something on my face, and I'm like, "What? What is that?" I'm not crying. I, you're crying. It was it was beyond crying. It was gigantic crocodile tears wow. during Blackbird. During Blackbird, and I was like, "What is going on?" Like it hit me like. Bam. All the way in your heart, all the way in. All, like n- no music has ever done that to me before, and wow. I work in music, so that that uh, left a mark on me forever. So, all right, that's cool. pretty cool. That's a good one. That's pretty you amazing. Know, speaking of Paul McCartney, Marie told a story oh, last week. Gosh, I can't believe this. Story. And, and we were talking. I don't know how it came up, but she said uh, when they were young and they were over there uh, performing somewhere, McCartney came to their hotel. Paul did. To get their autographs for his daughter. Oh, <laughs> how about that? It's when the when the Osmonds the and the Jacksons the were, you know, were the two biggest okay, bands in the okay. world at the time. Do we have time for one quick story? Sure. Yes, okay. of course. So I'm I'm great friends with uh, David Page of Toto. He's yeah. the one that wrote Africa, sang oh. it, plays piano in Toto, and um and and he was so Toto was the studio band for Thriller for Michael Jackson, you know? Oh, wow. And so, anyways, so he's got this incredible recording studio at his house, and he's lived there forever. And so all these famous people have come there to record and hang out. So he's telling me this story. He's like, oh, Caleb, I just remember this story. You're never going to believe who came to my house. And I was like, well, I bet I would, but who? You know, (laughs) like everybody, right? He said, yeah, I'm sitting there one day, and uh, and this was, you know, in the heyday of Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm, I'm sitting there at my house, and this limo pulls up unannounced. And I was like, <laughs> to your house? He's like, yeah, to the studio. And Michael Jackson gets out. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's incredible. He's like, 
No, 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 that's not the story. Like, that's not the cool part. He said, Michael Jackson gets out and opens the door, and you're never going to believe who was at my house. And I was like, who? He's like, Donnie Osmond oh. came to my house. <laughs> and I'm like, Michael and Donnie wait, wait, wait. out. Michael's the crap part of the story, and Donnie is the one that that's blew you away. You awesome. So, that's awesome. That is cool. I, I want to ask one sixth question. The, you're the favorite musician that you've ever played with, that you've ever jammed with? Well, I mean, just, I mean, it's probably got to be David Sanborn just because oh, that's, the that's, whole, that's the instrument. That's the instrument. That's your reason. heart right there. But, um, but, you know, I mean, probably like right next to that, it, 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 he's become a great friend and we've done tons of stuff together is Steve Smith from Journey, the drummer yes. from Journey. Just because, I mean, he's not just, he wasn't just a great drummer, in the time or a great drummer of everybody living like he is literally like one of probably the top five greatest drummers of all time in history and uh and 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 i and i just have a thing for drummers i just am blown away by him and so uh he's great yeah our friend governor gary herbert who was on this show a few weeks ago presented you with the governor's performing artists award for your significant contributions to art in utah and that was in 2013 it's been full steam ahead True professional, great ambassador of BYU and music, friend. We're so grateful to have you here on our show, and we're, we'll see you at the wedding. Awesome. Thanks. Octo- Thanks October 1st. October The 1st. great uh, Caleb Chapman. Oh, wait, before you go, uh, give us your website so folks know exactly where they yep. can listen to all your music. <laughs> or, or, or if they want to find, out about, find your, out about getting their, their kids involved in the program. Right. So Osmond Chapman. Uh, orchestra, my new my new group with David Osmond. Uh, of course, that music's on all streaming platforms, yeah. Apple, Spotify, all that. Um, as far as getting involved with the Soundhouse, uh, we start musicians at eight years old, uh, up through the, you know high school graduation, up through eighteen. You can get information on all of that at ccsoundhouse.com. Awesome. So we got osmondchapman.com up on the stream, and then we've and then we'll got the www.ccsoundhouse.com also on the stream, so folks know. Um, awesome. All right. Will you, uh, will you come back? Uh, anytime. We, we, and when anytime. you're not, when you're not hurt, we want you back. <laughs> yeah. Maybe may, play maybe, some of your real stuff. Yeah. I can bring the guitar in. We, we can, can jam. jam. Let's oh, do it. And I'll sing. That's it. If no. you, that's the three. Can we please that's limit this? If, can see, we limit this? See, Dave, Dave wouldn't, wouldn't have appreciated this, but see, you should have been at our album release party last year. Cause you know who was on it. We played at the Rose Bowl, Osmond Chapman. Yeah. And it was a joint bill with a band called Earth, Wind and Fire. Oh so. man. See, Dave's not into that stuff. But I, but yeah. I, uh, but I still know their song. <laughs> What's your favorite Earth, Wind and Fire song? Uh, well, I just love all ah, of them. He doesn't I just know. love all of them. He doesn't know. Yeah, but, I, but you can pick him right up. All right, you're done. Get out. Get out. You've, you've exhausted our... Tommy, we'll see you at the wedding. Congratulations. Tommy, congratulations. The great Caleb Chapman. Thank Thanks you so, so much. Thanks so much, Caleb. Appreciate love it. that. Absolutely love it. All right, so uh, what we're going to do is we'll... Let's push our... Um, our uh, thing with the Marvel characters to next week. Yep, we'll do that next week. But there's still some things we want to go over, including the uh, Cougars in the NFL. Right. And then this day in history. So networks, we're going to go over just a couple minutes. Uh, but not, but not time, but not yeah. too, not too much. So. Uh, BYU players in camps rosters were trimmed from 85 to 80 today. First of all, that was an awesome rendition of Rise and Shout. Oh yeah, that was. And I thought he took some liberties there, and and it was still uh, it the was runs, still the runs, I, like the, I loved it. Uh, cut today as the rosters were trimmed from 85 to 80. Kai Nakua from the yeah. Jets, a bummer, yep. and then Troy Warner from the Buccaneers. Yeah, and Kai's been like, 
But here's the thing about both of those guys. They're very capable of being picked up on a practice squad and being on a team. Remember, Danny Sorensen was kind of on and off the practice squad, and then he became a mainstay yeah. with the Chiefs. And, of course, now he's with the, with the New Orleans Saints and, and with his buddy. Next Taysom week's Hill. the big cut. They go from 80 to 53. Yeah, and David Nixon was telling us on After Further Review, that's a lonely day. Well, and he's like, and when, when, when you've you been in the league a little bit, you know exactly when that's – like, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to be yeah. done here. And so that's, that, a, that's a big cut. That makes this week pretty important. So let's run down who's playing what and where. Yeah, so so let's start with the Chiefs and the Packers. Um, Thursday at Six Mountain on the NFL Network, that's Zane Anderson and Matt Bushman both involved in that game. Fred Warner, who probably won't play, 49ers and Texans, that's Thursday night. Uh, on Prime Video. Fred, Fred just had a, like a special on ESPN on him where all of the great players in the league were talking about how yeah. special he is. That was pretty was cool. Awesome. Yeah. Fred, Fred's not worried about making a team. He's one of the best players in the league, period, and probably the best linebacker in the National Football League. Who how is cool trying is to make the team's Neil Pau of the Bills. Yep, so Neil Pau is going to face Brady Christensen on Friday on the Bills and the Panthers. No, no TV on that one. James Empey still hanging on with the Cowboys, and they play the Seahawks Friday night at 6 on the NFL Network. Right. We got Kyle Van Noy, who also doesn't have to make a team, against Michael Davis, who also doesn't need to make a team. Guaranteed contracts with big money. But the Chargers are at the Saints Friday. So those two guys, if they were to play, and I doubt they will on this one, Taysom Hill and Daniel Sorensen with the Saints. So four Cougars uh, in that matchup. Right. Taysom cut his first pass of the preseason, a 10-yarder at the tight end position. He's going to have He's going to have an impact. He's going to play all over the place, too. So... Um, how about the Patriots and Raiders on Friday? That that's Harvey Longy and uh, and uh, um, I. I don't think that I think he's pretty secure there as well. Yeah, Kyrus Tonga and Sione Taki Taki Bears and Brown Saturday. I think they're both pretty secure. Yep, yep. And we skip, we forgot about Tyler Algier, right? Right. Falcon, oh, yeah. Falcons and Jazz. I think he's pretty secure. Yeah. Oh, he's secure. Third round draft pick doesn't get. You cut. got it too, very early in the game. Too much, last too night. much money invested, and he's 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 solid. He's not going to get cut. And you know what, Kyrus. Not going to get cut, and Sione's not going to get and cut. And hearing great things, Those, even today, from the coach of the of the commanders about Dax Milne. Yep, absolutely. Dax Milne playing well. Commanders, it's hard for me to get used to saying commanders. I know, I want to say but, Redskins. But, but they're against the Ravens, um, and they play on Saturday. And then the Bucks are at the Colts, and you got Samson Nakua, Tyson Williams, and Chris Wilcox all trying to make the Colts roster. Samson had a 26-yard touchdown catch against the Lions last week, and after the game, Jamal Williams, who runs for the Lions – said, quote, he tweeted out, I'm happy and upset at the same time. I love seeing my Cougs ball out. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Samson Nakua, he was part of the heart of that BYU team oh. last year. Phenomenal. I'm, I'm waiting to see who replaces the phenomenal leadership mantle that Samson Nakua had on that football team last year. He, People don't know. Could it be Puka? All behind the scenes, the impact that that guy had on that team last year. He was really good. I hope that, that the Colts... He's at the Colts. Yep. Yeah. I hope that the Colts see that in him and understand what a great teammate he can be and he can make a difference. And we'll see if Puka is going to take on that yeah. torch for, yeah. for we'll, the football team. We'll see. So Jamal Williams, who played at the Steelers, I doubt he'll play Sunday yeah. 2.30 on CBS. This, yeah, this Jamal, is the game for Jamal's all the fringe guys. Isn't it interesting how many of these guys were just going, yeah, that guy's on, that guy's like So many guys are guaranteed a spot on here, and some still trying to make it. But BYU's really reestablished itself as, as a, a program that sends guys to the NFL, and there's a bunch of on this year's roster, a bunch of them. Let's finish with this day in history and then our quote from uh, yep. Lavelle Edwards. Yep. So this day in history, 1793, the French Revolution. All men, uh, 18 to 25, all able yeah. men, I would say, 18 to 25, called to military duty in 1793. Can you imagine living at a time where it's like, hey, you guys, you're all in. You're all in. 
Uh, 1839, the British capture Hong Kong from China. It's since gone back to the Chinese control. We're not not even going to go there. Too political right now. But 1914, Japan declares war on Germany. World War I. 1947, on this day, the first Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. The Maynard Midgets beat Lockhaven All-Stars 16-7. They wouldn't even be able to use that name no, today. No, it's politically incorrect. But that's the first one I mean, in remember, 1947. Hey, Charles Barkley used to be involved in midget tossing. You, you, like, there's all <laughs> kinds of things you can't do anymore, right? That's so true. there you go. You can't be the Maynard Midgets. How about this next one? 1960, the world's largest frog was discovered in Equatorial uh, Guinea. 7.2-pound frog. What if you walked outside your backyard and there hey, was a 7-pound frog? My wife gets scared of small frogs. She's completely terrified. So a 7.2-pound frog. Frog, no-go. That's a no-go. 1974, John Lennon reports seeing a UFO in New York City. I've yeah. seen a lot of unidentified objects in New York City. <laughs> yeah. But John Lennon said he saw a UFO on and, this day. And is, and is he wrong? In 74. I, I, think when the, I think some of the stuff they took from Trump's house is going <laughs> to... It's all, it's all about I, that, right? I don't know. 1993. How about this? Dow Jones reports a record high. 3,638.96 um, points. points. Um, current market is over 33,000. Yeah. Which I'm not happy with because it wasn't over 36,000 not that long ago. It's a lot over 3,000. Don't even get me going. On In how 1993, much they celebrate 3,600, and today we're at 33,000. 33,000. So. Birthdays today, August 23rd. In 1754, King Louis XVI, King of France, he was born with his head, yeah. but left without it after he Gu- uh, had, was guillotined. Yep. No. And, and that, that hey, just sounds so ni- crazy. 1912, we had a little bit of a music theme here today. Uh, Gene Kelly. Was, was born 1912 on this day. One of my favorite dancers and actors of all time. 1931, Barbara Eden of I Dream of Jeannie was born. Uh, uh, so years ago, I'm well, sitting was, at my well, desk. I was pretty much in love with her. Yeah, everyone was. I'm sitting at my desk at KSL, and they go, hey, uh, somebody comes up and goes, hey, um, Barbara Eden's here. Can you interview her? I'm like, for what? I don't know, but she's here to be interviewed. I don't even know if she went to the wrong place or what. Did so I went to the studio and, and interviewed her. And um, it was she was so nice, and I'm thinking I'm I'm oh, I'm interviewing Jeannie. Yeah, no Jeannie. That we used to watch that show every day after school. I dream of Jeannie. Um, 1949, Rick Springfield. I wish that I had Jesse's girl. Born 1949. Yep. River Phoenix, born today in 1970. Kobe Bryant, 1978. Hey, I accidentally skipped past 1949. Yeah, Shelley so- Long, Diane Chambers from Cheers. Cheers, big time. Happy birthday. So, um, hey, let's music theme. So, August twenty third. Oh, wait, 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 wait! Skip the last one. Who did I skip? Taysom Hill. Oh, thirty two today. I forgot about Taysom Hill. 32. I didn't know Taysom and Kobe Bryant shared 30, the same birthday. Thirty two years young, nineteen ninety. Taysom Hill is born. I forgot about Taysom. So, okay, music. August twenty third. The Beatles release "She Loves You" in the UK. That turned out all right. Yeah, no kidding. They're pretty good. So it came, Last time it, I heard. So the Brits got their first taste of that, and then and it came later to, yep. to the yep. U.S. Next week, Brandon Doman, former BYU quarterback, Amber Whiting, the women's head basketball coach. We will go through the BYU yep. depth chart for the season opener, preview the South Florida yes, Bulls. Yes, we will. We'll talk about our Marvel characters and the Cougar oh, players because yeah. I think we'll get a lot can, of reaction Can we give them a little everybody. taste? Like, not, we told them we were going to tell them about Malik's and how he was so happy about it. Yeah. Yeah, we so, did tell so, him that. So, so you gave Malik Moore Black Panther. Black Panther. He was so excited that he was Black Panther. So We're going to give you a whole week we'll to think whole, who yeah. should be Thor. Who should be what. Yep. And, and some of those guys. And, and so look for that. Well, I think it'll be a fun interaction. 
that's next week. You want to take us out? Yeah, so Coach Edwards, we always, with, with our guy, Lavelle Edwards, um, who we love, and and uh, we always end with a Lavelle Edwards quote. And this, this week says, We can have the greatest will to do well, but unless we've prepared, it is of little use. You know, I felt that way when Marie Osmond called me on stage. Yeah, you weren't prepared. I had... I I was bound you know, and determined, but, but, but I thing. was not prepared. But you can fake it better than anybody I know, and you did great. Usually it's makeup and lights, yep. like we have right here go. on this show. That's a great quote. Hey, the podcast will be up tomorrow. Share it with your friends. Tell your friends about us. Uh, log on to Twitch. Get a free account so you can get on here and say, hey, Blaine, that was the craziest answer I've ever heard, and we can we can comment about it. And... Um, and then we're just going to keep rolling. We've only got one more week until we actually have a yep, game. It's season. It's the season's upon us. I can smell it in here. You smell that? That's football. I thought that was uh, Caleb's Old Spice. <laughs> oh, it's football. It's football. But Old Spice, mainly yes, but I like it too. All right. Oh, that's, that's, that's Irish Spring. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Thanks for about. watching The Wise Guys. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week. <laughs>